And I knew there was something strange about this ride He said, Drifter, can you make folks cry when you play and sing? Have you paid your dues? Can you moan the blues? Can you bend down guitar strings? He said, boy, can you make folks feel what you feel inside? Cause if you're big star bound, let me warn you, it's a long haul ride Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 68 of the NFB podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFB podcast is brought to you by Riverside Dodge, the official truck sponsor and dealership of the show, as well as Hooked Up Enterprises as the official in-arena gear of the NFB podcast. And of course, Wrangler, the official clothing sponsor of the show, Wrangler, along live uh, the Cowboys, as well as our Lake Bull Ride. We can't forget about the boys in Zara Lake Bull Riding coming up here pretty quick. We're getting to crunch time. Boys are getting fired up. We had a ton of good bull riding action in Camrose, Alberta last weekend, so that's going to be good to talk about the kick the season's kicking off in canada the world finals are going on tons to talk about but before we do we'll get to the boys jason davidson we're gonna go to you buddy we'll go to you first uh you're in the airport you might hear some background issues with jason but he's a busy man so what's going on buddy how's things what are you doing well t i'm just being a you know you heard the term rank rat well i'm a freaking airport rat today <laughs> um been here for like three hours and just got my little app notice notification that delayed so i'm hoping to get back to saskatchewan sometime in the calendar day are um, you flying first class are you flying west yet <laughs> there's a one-legged duck swim in a circle <laughs> oh it does it does <laughs> i just ran into charlie bear and, what's charlie uh, bear doing i'm not quite sure i didn't get a chance to visit because i had to do this odd opening so his flight isn't delayed, so I might have to. I've done this before. I've got to Regina and just ran to the cab. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go put. I'm literally gonna go put WestJet's uh, assistant there. They got a little thing here. You can go out and deal with problems. I'm gonna just say, are you guaranteeing me this flight is going home to Saskatoon tonight? If not, I want a seat on this one. Yeah. So. I'm gonna, I got about 20 minutes, fellas, for us to talk about the current events, and then uh, I gotta get to it. Busy. Yeah. I like it, Scott Byrne. Uh, what are you doing there, buddy? How's things with you? Been uh, clowning away, or what the fuck's been going on in your life? Steady show, steady going, I'm sure. But uh, what's up? Yeah, just um, not too much. I uh, did North Battleford. I think we talked about that already, so that's good. And I went out to Strathmore last weekend to the uh, Canadian Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame induction dinner and uh, got to say a nice little speech on Slash, uh, DJV Slash, number 400. He got inducted into the Canadian Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. So went out there on behalf of the Bull family and uh, explained to the crowd how many times that bull actually hooked me around. The <laughs> I was just going to say how many times the fucking, <laughs> the muley mashed you. Yeah, yeah. bunted you around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the right. Hit me so <laughs> hit me so hard in in at the CFR in 2013. Jason Finkbeiner's right on me. He hit me so hard and so deep that I ripped his ear tag out and handed it to Nansen two seconds later. I said, "You might need this." So keep this. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. Um, lots of good inductees this year. Mike Copeman, Greg Rumer, 
uh, Bill Reeder, Rob Bell, Rob, Rob Bell. Bell. Dusty LaValle. Dusty LaValle. Oh, yeah, Dusty gets for Dusty. We spoke on Greg Rumor's behalf. Shane Same Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. Nice. How was that? How was it that was, storytelling? It, it was awesome. And Greg's wife was there and his daughter and uh, got to chat with Shane for about an hour after the whole deal was over. And, you know, I just laughed my ass off. We we agreed on some stuff. And, and, <laughs> and uh, disagreed, agreed and, to disagree on some other stuff? No, and just debated other things that are oh, going yeah. on. That was on, always, on the that was always Shane's, yeah, Shane's <laughs> yeah. favorite line. Well, clown, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was good. Wow. There were so many, so many people there that I hadn't seen for a long time. So it was really good. I hadn't seen so, Shane in years, and ran into him at a bull sale not long ago. And we were uh, talking about that. We were talking that, about that. Then I said, "Did I tell you on this pod that he what he said to me? I don't know if I have or not." He said, "He grabbed a hold of me." And oh he, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you did. Yeah, but it's worth a repeat. <laughs> he said, "Tanner Baird, I'm." Uh, you know, he talks. I can't remember what the fuck how it went down, but it was something to the lines of. Uh, are you fucking stupid? You went from doing it one time in a night for a bunch of money to doing it every time, every single bull for a lot less money. The fuck are you thinking? Changing from riding bulls to fighting bulls. Uh, uh, how was the whole deal with um, with uh, rumor? Like you say, obviously a standout guy, a bullfighting guy, and the only Canadian to win a world championship. And I seen there had a cool little video about Rex Dunn saying how. I didn't know the guy, but you guys knew the guy. But uh, how there's one exception to the rule of crazy. If you're not, if everybody who fights bulls, you have to be a little bit fearful. Other than the one exception, and that's Greg Rumor. Yeah. And he said he's got yeah. something else going on with him, but he definitely isn't scared, and he's the yes. only. Guy there's one guy. Done, right. That was right. There was one guy. He said that's not scared. I, I watched that documentary, and and you can just tell how serious Rex is when he shifts like his tone. Because yeah. he was going on about you have to respect and there's got to be a little bit of fear. And then he stopped himself and said, except for one guy. And that's yeah. Greg Rumor. I've got <laughs> some old, I got some old, uh, I fought most with Greg. Uh, he come up, your dad and Brett give him, uh, oh, Calgary and Vancouver. And he was awesome. He was great to share the locker room with, like, really good. Like, I learned some stuff from Greg Rumor. And yeah, no, no pads. Little, I think he put hip pads in. That was it. No chest protector. Ever. Nothing like that. Um, and you go back to some of those Wrangler bullfights from the NFR, and he had this big high horn black bull drawn. And man, I like they're doing stuff today that I think really Greg Rumor invented it, and there just wasn't with, names for it, you know? Without a doubt. And he got behind the barrel at one point, and he is fist fighting this bull. Like he yeah. is punching him. I know you guys have seen this video. He is, yeah, like, I right mean, right. throwing lefts and rights. And we all know how hard a bull's head is. It's as hard as his damn horns. Like, there's no winning that fist fight. But Brett, or, uh, <laughs> Greg, was, he was doing his best to try to win it. Fuck. And when he goes, you ripped off at the uh, at the NFR. I've ever watched yeah. that video. Fuck. And then came back with, like, a turban on and fought the yeah. rest of the rest yeah. of the night. Yeah, he can freestyle like nobody's business. One of the best ever. They all still talk about that. Lots of the uh, the guys still in the game, Mercer and those guys. The, the, what he did. And he didn't sport. want to be on the wrong side of them at all. As in, like, outside of the arena, right? Golden Gloves? Yeah, or inside the arena. 
because I uh, think he'd drop you in the arena if you had to. <laughs> yeah, when Shane got up and spoke on him, and obviously they were very good friends, and uh, Shane said it. He's just like, there's, there's no other guy. That guy was wired different, and there's he's never met another man like him that could – that was so intense and when it came to anything really whether it was flanking or sorting or doing whatever picking up he did it all yeah, even telling said, a story even telling yeah. a story the look in his eye when he's talking to you like you yeah. you knew you better not focus on something else you better listen or you might wake <laughs> up in a different zip code <laughs> yeah right anyway it was did really you, good did, really good did shane tell you like uh i remember shane telling me one time when they were young like shane fought bulls back then too for his dad with Greg, like they would, they would bring in three-year-olds untipped and they just fight them. They'd fight them. That's what they did. They flank them and open the gate and make rounds. <laughs> oh yeah. Love it. Jason, uh, before you got to go, uh, let us know what, uh, what you're doing there right now in, uh, in Toronto NHLPA stuff. What does that entail for people that don't know? Oh, well, just meetings. We try to meet one once a year with, we have a new executive director that manages the NHLPA now, Don Ferris. Been reassigned, I guess, or put on waivers, so to speak, if we're talking hockey. And uh, a guy by the name of Marty Walsh, that um, he was the mayor of Boston, actually, found out today. And um, has a real political background, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, not a not a hockey, not a hockey background, right? Not a hockey background. No. That guy now he's coming no. to run it. So what's the what's the thoughts on him? What's the initial vibe around there? Knows what he's doing. Well, he's the players. He, well, he's gonna have to roll off his sleeves right away because it was just announced not even twenty four hours ago that the city of Tempe denied the new arena in Arizona. Yeah. So Gary Bettman's dreams of hockey in Arizona are he's gonna have to he's gonna have to tap out here. It's um, you know, we've, we, we've got players there that they don't want to play there. We can't even sell out a 5,000 seat arena. You got a beautiful arena in Quebec city. They want a team. They got the money there. Will Gary let a team go to Canada again? I don't, I don't know. Why, why you know, is he dragging? Why, why is he dragging his uh, feet? I don't, I can't, I can't answer it. I, I don't, but you know, Kansas city has been rumored to, to want a team. I, I, you know, Houston has been Houston, I heard, yeah. Before. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's costing it's costing the players money. Like the player, like what our listeners might not understand is, and I and I think we've touched on this before is there's escrow that comes off all these players' checks. What they don't understand during COVID, the players had to give up thirty percent of their paychecks yeah. before taxes. So basically, you're paying in some states or in Canada, you're making twenty five thirty percent of your paycheck. That was it. Yeah. Which think about that. That's gross. Yeah. You know, you're making a, you're earning a million, but you're, you're netting, you're netting 300,000. I know that. And don't get me wrong. That's a lot of money, but, no, but it's still, yeah, career, it's yeah, it's yeah. like a bull rider. Their careers are only so long yeah. and you, you've committed your, you know, everything since you've been 14 years old to your craft. So, um, you tell a yeah, doctor he's, that he's yeah. going to make 30% of his check. What the fuck's he going to tell you? Right. In that sense. Well, I hope I hope we don't need any surgeries or we're dead because he ain't gonna do it. <laughs> he ain't doing it. Yeah, that's no, fair enough. No. Yeah. So yeah, it was more or less just meeting on him. <clears throat> the cap's supposed to salary cap because we live in a cap world in professional hockey. It's it's gonna go up uh, at least a million dollars, which doesn't sound like 
a ton, or maybe to some people it does sound like a lot, but it's not. It's $32 more million really injected into the league if every team spends it. Yeah. Um, there's teams like the Boston Bruins, for example, are going in with $4.5 million of a cap hit in overage bonuses, which is a result of some of their younger guys and their older players achieving bonuses this year. So it doesn't count against this year's cap. It counts against next year. Yeah. So basically, if it's an $83.5 million cap next year, um, Boston's working off $79 million, which uh, uh, yeah, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. Not for Boston anyway with what they got to do. So Yeah, so now I'm just trying to get home before this WestJet strike, kids. Yes, WestJet's about to fucking hit it. We got to look into all that stuff for uh, our upcoming events in London, Ontario. Trust me, our fearless fearless leader and production manager, Peter Gibrad, was, uh, I I actually, if I had a limit on text, it would have went over today with Pete. (laughs) Has the panic set in? Yeah, oh yeah. And I just said, Pete, let's just not get our shit in the knot until Friday. But it's supposed to go down Friday. I've got an inside track with the WestJet pilot that said, yeah, we're going to probably walk on Friday. And he's hoping it doesn't go more than a week, which is okay for us, I guess. Otherwise, Scott, I think we'll be staying in Brandon and making the trek out. And, uh, well, Road we'll trip. Maybe, eh? I don't know. I don't know about you stupid fuckers, but I booked, but I booked Air Canada. So see you oh, later. You did, you fucking <laughs> yeah. well, I'm home on Air Canada. But that's, yeah. God. You know what? The worst thing I'm thinking of right now is Jason sound is pretty terrible, but it's probably better than the first 35 episodes or first 50 episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before he discovered he had a mic on his fucking computer, yes, correct. <laughs> okay, hey, let's what can dig I say? it. I'm a little bit old school, fellas. I just, oh, it's good. I, yeah. I like, you know, less technology. I'll tell yeah. you what. One place I will not retire in Toronto? downtown Toronto. Fuck that. Not a chance. I'd not probably a take chance. a swing in a couple of days of giving her on Young Street, but that's about it. Then I'm gonna have to get out. No, you can't. You can't get. You can't do anything on Young Street because there's too many people sleeping and. Passed uh, out on it. Brass I, rail? Honestly, no brass rail? You can probably find the brass I haven't, rail. I haven't been here for oh, a couple of years, I guess. Three years, maybe. God. It's the, the world, man. Fuck me. Everywhere. Gone upside the down. The traffic. 55 minutes from the airport downtown. Yeah. I, and, we left, uh, and we left downtown at 2.30 today. No thanks. No transients anywhere. Should see Prince Albert. My God, you guys think of Toronto, LA, all these places. All I'm fucking all. You better come fucking drive down our main street right now. Holy, I don't know what's going on. If the weather's changed or if like prices have gone up to living in the world or the homeless, whatever's going on in the world right now, it is fucking insane. And poor little PA is even over fucking run by homeless people right now. It's crazy. Yeah. But if you talk to our fearless leader, there's nothing wrong. We're doing good. Oh, We're doing yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Fucking come hang out. Okay. Before we lose you, Jason, let's get into the team series stuff. Bang. We got to get to it. The draft is actually happening as we speak. Just just kind of wrapping up as we finish. Sage Kimsey goes first overall. Tons of trades going on. The Arizona Ridge Riders moving up in my books as the snooze fest team to one of the most exciting fucking teams in the game right now after some of the changes that they made getting Colton Fritzlin in a trade. Uh, they just drafted Jeff Askey. 
tons of moving parts within the the Ridge Riders, within the Carolina um, yeah. Cowboys. It's it's there's a bunch of action going on. What's uh, what's standing out for you, Jason? What's on your mind with the team series right now? Well, I hope for the Carolina Cowboys it doesn't go like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. If, uh, for our for our Western lifestyle listeners, if we were comparing what they have for a roster to a hockey team. I would say this, there isn't enough pucks on the ice to keep everybody happy. So um, it's going to be interesting. You know, it's a little different because it is an individual sport when that gate opens. You know, your teammates aren't helping you ride that hole. They're cheering you on, obviously, but you got to get the job done. So that would be the only difference, I I think. Um, But I still think, you know, there's a lot of star power on that team and I hope you know we talk about team chemistry and in team sports and I think that'll be the key for their success is make sure they have the right chemistry but uh, you know there's some guys too that we represent that were part of the Nashville group last year that are now um, not um, as of yesterday so will they bring them back I don't know there's lots of time yet and there's, and there's lots of bull riding where you know, we know injuries happen and, and yeah. guys are going to be needed. But um, did we talk about Glarmy getting hired yet? No, but we, uh, we uh, talked about that it was going to be coming. But no, no, yeah, uh, Adriano yeah, okay, was so. announced during the last pod for the for yeah. the Brazilian side of, of the gamblers. But as we when we were gone, yeah, they announced that Glarmy is the uh, – what would he be? The part coach, assistant coach? What would you call assistant him? Assistant coach, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I had to keep that. Under wraps for a little while. I, I, yeah, he's the assistant coach, and I think that's a great move by uh, Jim Smith and the Kansas City Outlaws. I really do. And the move they made to to get another first rounder for next year, yeah, you can tell it's like it's like the Connor Bernard sweepstakes. People are, you know, you're you're putting all your eggs in that first pick basket. Which you talk about generational talents. There's going to be uh, you. If anyone wants to disagree with me, I'll have this argument with them all day. But John Krimber is the clear number one yeah. next year. So yep. um, if I do the math correct, they might have three chances at getting the first overall pick next year. Two okay. for sure. Two but for I think sure. they got three. Yep. I'll have to – next pod, we'll have that answer. Or yep. somebody, I'm sure, will text it to us. But um, Let us know. No, I think that's fucking mm-hmm. like you say. That's great, and I think with the with Carolina, like you say, there's there's a lot of superstar talent on that team, and we're, it'll see where that chemistry comes into play. If if who wants to be the big dog, or if they start getting pissed off of who, why does he yep. get to get on that bull? Because you got a lot of similar riders and world champions. But the only thing with Sage and Sage Kimsey and Cooper Davis is they are really good buddies. They rodeo together and stuff, and they talk a lot. We'll see how that goes when those egos come into play. When who's going to step up to the plate? Who's gonna be the one that goes into those those uh, the championship rounds or the bonus rounds? All that sort of stuff will start playing on a guy, right? So, like you say, it's like an all-star team. It's all souped up. Woodrow yep. Campbell throwing in there, Dalen Swearingen. So they've got all the talent to but, do it. Now it's gonna be pulling it off. Yeah, and we've seen this in other sports too. I mean, there's always some tension when one star meets another star on the same team through a trade. They'll just, I mean, you're paid to work it out. You know, Figure make it, out, it good. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. And then like you yeah. talk about with Glare May coming into the into the mix, I think 
you've seen it right in the draft. They pick a, a Brazilian that's never yep. had a professional out before. So Guilherme obviously knows something about this guy, and they went and picked him. Missouri did the same thing, actually, too. Picked an unknown, mm-hmm. no professional outs Brazilian. So you're going to see an influx of those guys coming over, I'm pretty sure, by the looks of it. But let's remember, guys, and we and I can tell you this with experience. I've had guys draft that never played a pro game in the game in hockey. Um, there's first rounders that that are busts. We watch it every year around NHL draft time. The, the top twenty NHL first round busts of all time. Like I'd hate to be one of those guys, but um, there's no guarantees. Now, no. there. I would say five out of those eight picks in the first round are guarantees for sure. And, and time will tell on the rest, but that's what the draft is about. That's what your organizational, uh, I guess your staff, that's their job to make sure they're picking the guy that is best suited for what you need at the time or down the road. Sometimes you're not drafting for tomorrow. You're drafting for later in the season, I guess, in bull riding or next year. I, I don't know. It's, it's new this stuff, in yeah. this industry. Yeah. So, Glaremy obviously putting his stamp on the Kansas City Outlaws right off the hop, you know, for sure. And get this guy. Yeah. And Glaremy's got some bucking bulls over there too in Brazil. Looks like he's got a contracting outfit. So he's probably seeing a lot of these guys when he's taking those bulls around too that maybe aren't at the professional level yet. But um, the one thing I was looking at and thinking about a little bit differently than what this draft has other than like the NHL is, yeah, you're drafting for the future lots of times in the NHL. But these guys seem like once they're drafted, they take up a spot in your in your yes. seven roster so you're you're fucking picking for right now you're not picking for the future with your young guys you can maybe sign these young guys for the future but as soon as they're picked they're guaranteed a spot on your on your roster sure. right? otherwise they become an unrestricted free agent as a practice if they get um shifted to the practice roster and that's what happened to some of the vets uh this week you know to our clients that they obviously weren't very happy about um but that's bull riding which Again, now they're unrestricted free agents, which gives them an opportunity maybe to get picked up by another team or renegotiate um, a salary for practice roster spots. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks for us. So, yeah, see what's going on. There, young man. They better, uh, they better get uh, expect quite a bit out of Cade Madsen, a young 18-year-old that won an event last a couple weeks ago. It looks like his first PBR event. They uh, that would be their fourth overall pick in which Colton Fritzland was traded for. So in reality, Colton Fritzland was traded for this Cade Madsen. So uh, well, all eyes will be on him to see if uh, if that trade makes sense for them here in the first few events. Yes, you're right. Good call. A lot of pressure on that. Um, so that's cool. It's fun to see there's there's an influx of rodeo guys too that have came on board this year. So it made that draft a little bit more interesting by bringing in uh, Sage Kimsey and Josh Frost, and uh, as well Jeff Askey, Creek Young, uh, a couple of uh, of other rodeo guys that that put their names in the hat. But I know that a little bit of a insider trading with a lot of those guys is they're rodeo guys to start with they don't really go to pbrs and the rule within the the pbr with the draft stuff is if you don't you know if you don't fulfill your contract you get banned from the pbr well i know lots of these guys don't really give a shit about that rule because they've never pbr before in their life they get drafted they get picked they're going to want what they want money-wise for 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 them to stay here in the pbr and if they don't get it they'll just take that suspension and go back rodeo and so that's something to keep your eye on too with some of those very big risks yeah that's a risk 
sign on and, and stay within the team series this year, right? And they got to compete at a minimum of the five of the ten events, and including the finals. Yeah. So that's a, you know, Cheyenne's an easy one, but the schedule should work out. Like, you know, and they're, you know, Sage Kim's, he's, he's got the NFR made almost now. So I guess it'd be the difference of him trying to win five or $7,000 at a, on a rodeo weekend to, uh, to help him tie Donnie Gay's record, or he's going to have to compete on the teams. In my understanding and my conversations with Sage, he was all in. He's going to a mall. If he was putting his name in the draft, he was going to go to a mall. So Carolina Cowboys are definitely in it to win it. Um, I think Josh Frost rides bulls away from his hand probably as good or better than anybody. I think he rides bulls away from his hand better than he rides them into his hand. So they've got – what a stack! It's a, a tell. What a stack! It's a tell. Discovered. <laughs> <laughs> but really, you know, what a what a! You guys look at that team on paper. On they paper, it's fucking stacked. Yeah, they shouldn't lose a game. Yeah, well, we'll see. Quite possibly, a world champion have to sit out maybe because the bull doesn't Which, fit him as well as it doesn't fit somebody else yeah. on that team. Right? And that would be roster management, I think. Which, if you've got that deep. And you can do that. Well, hats off to the Carolina Cowboys that they can rest guys. Like, it's not about even sitting guys out because it doesn't fit a bullet. If you've got a nagging injury or something that you might even need just one day off, they're, they're, they're able to do that. Yeah. It looks like the Outlaws, I don't know what they're thinking. Maybe with uh, Guilherme coming in, they're going to sneak some of these Brazilians in that are fairly unheard of. They would probably be kind of the opposite of the Carolina team other than Kyler Oliver on that team is the the standout leader right now and more looking towards the rebuild I feel like of of next year's of with that trade that they made wanting a first round pick of of next year's pick so we'll see what they do um but uh that's kind of what it looks like some teams have different aspects that they're looking at as well as Casey Lane makes some big moves I feel like uh, to to pick up some guys that he's wanting to win this year, giving up some some draft picks for guys that he thinks that he can win with this year. And then you look at the Austin Gamblers; they call it the the magnificent seven, and they didn't make any changes, didn't draft anybody. They yeah. just stuck with their exact team uh, that they had. And the Rattlers pick up a guy in Jeff Askey, uh, a couple other draft picks in that sense. Oklahoma Freedom takes Brady Turgeon as their uh, as a, as their new in guy there. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what the final roster look like and what these guys bring to the table and then how all these teams can perform now with new players coming in on their team as this is now a team aspect. I know me and Scott would be buttonheads fucking trying to get the best one in the pen, eh, bud? Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> I just be like, get out of my way. Gonna dominate. <laughs> hey, before I go, shout out to Nick Tess. Yes. Yeah. Big yeah, shout, shout out. out to Nick Tess. Yes. Uh, really happy for him. Had a visit with him day before yesterday. In between weekends, obviously down there, just enjoying Texas weather and life. And yeah, he's ready to go, healthy. And uh, we'll see him um, in Brandon in London too. He's itching to get back up and and make sure that he is a repeat winner on the PBR Canada front because Jared Parsonage and Coy Robbins seem to be in a. Uh, all-out fistfight who wants to be this year's champion i know that we got a lot of events to go but boy those guys are uh those guys are dialed in 
Yeah, they're dialed right now. They're looking uh, above and beyond of, of what they've been in past years. I don't think Jared's bucked off yet at a PBR Canada event. So they showed it last weekend in Camrose. Roy uh, Coy was putting on that event and uh, still stomped one out in the long go. Stubbs his toe a little bit in the short round. Jared rides two, two good ones and, and does what he's supposed to do and wins that event. So, yeah, we'll get into that in a bit too. But, Jason, uh, before we lose you, the pick that you had to win the finals in the world championship, are you yeah, uh, going to yeah, stick with yeah. that? Or uh, how's that going for you? Hey, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to my guy. guy you know that. He actually cool. gave, me a, gave me a shout out. He actually gave me a fist pump. Thanks for believing in me. But I can't do it, he said. <laughs> Did you have to translate that from Portuguese? One? Is he still number one by chance? No, I don't think so. Is he? I don't know. I didn't even look at the stand. Hey, no, I don't, don't so. count him out yet. Let me know. Yeah, fair enough. But he's not going to win the finals. That's a guarantee. Your finals. Pick. No, that's a guarantee. That is a guarantee. Uh, shit. That is a guarantee. Okay, buddy. Well, thanks for joining us on here. Yeah, we'll, no, sorry, uh, we'll fellas. I wish I could hang out and have a chinwag with you, but. I'll see enough of you two in the next three weeks anyway. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Sounds good, buddy. Right, Take it easy. Yeah, you got to shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking guy. Well, that was fairly annoying with the background noise, but we got some of his inputs, and I did want to get some of uh, of Jason's inputs on that Team Series stuff because he has been a uh, man on the ground getting lots of calls of what, what's going on because it is like the NHL draft or the NFL draft where as agents we're getting our, our phones ringing off the hook of guys wondering what he's going to do here, how this is going to go here because all the moving parts, if they don't sign somebody, if they do sign somebody, who's next in line, what's he going to do, where are we going to put him, all that sort of stuff. So uh, there's tons of moving parts and it's kind of cool to see within the, the bull riding world too and lots of the, the bull riders that are involved getting text messages and getting offers and um, all the different little games and uh, gamesmanship that goes on within the GMs and then the coaches getting involved and these coaches knowing the influence that they have as as former bull riders and guys that we all kind of look up to you know the bull riders you get a message from Ross Coleman or or from uh, Cody Lostro you're pretty excited in the first place because those are your heroes right And, and then they're smoozing you in to try to get get you on their team so that their team can win too. So there's a lot of aspects that, that are uh, involved within this team stuff and draft time is probably the busiest time of the year. Yeah. It gives those guys something more to think about. Definitely a different spin on the sport as per, you know, I guess three, four years ago when it was just, you know, entering a bull riding and going like now it's holy cow. There's a lot to consider your future or getting paid or not getting paid. And yeah, yeah, I like it. It's cool. a lot of different aspects. And that's you know that's a lot of times where this the agency side of things comes into play. Is the same as NHL, right? You worry on worry about riding bulls and and um you know let guys like me or Jason take care of that fucking business side of things so that you can just focus directly on riding bulls. And you know you've seen it. I've seen it a million times. Guys start worrying about sponsorship or you start worrying about all the outside noise that's going on, and then you forget about what your job actually is and riding bulls. And that's really what pays the bills. And that's when you get those good contracts is when you're showing up and showing out. So focus on the bull riding part of things, especially right now. It's tough on these guys because the world finals is in full motion mm-hmm. and they have this draft during the finals. So these guys are trying to figure out where they're going, what they're doing, but really they're trying to focus on winning a world finals championship or a world championship. So they do need to maybe split that up a little bit just for the, for the guys and for the, people trying to follow along with it. There's a lot of shit going on. They're doing press releases of the world finals being announced that it's going to be the last weekend at AT&T stadium yeah. next year. So there's like 
a million different things that are big news, big breaking news things that are going on that they're shoving so, in a week. So with that being said, it's still going to be two weekends. The last weekend's going to be at at and Yeah, they'll do the first one at Dickies, and then they'll crown the world champion in uh, in at and is what it sounds like, okay. which is cool. Okay. It's, that place yeah. is, you know, we've talked about it on here too, but riding there and being there, that is, that's a place where it feels like you've won a world championship, you know, that adds to it. I think we should give a shout out to our, our old friend and past pod uh, guest, uh, Flint Rasmussen. He is, uh, yeah. man, the, the countdown's on. Um, he is retiring this year after the finals, the world finals and an amazing career and got to know him, consider him a really good friend. I, I text him there last week and, you know, congratulated him and, he said we'd catch up by phone here when things settle down a bit. But yeah, he's uh, just about ready to wrap her up. But I see you got to sing with Kid Rock. Like, come on, not yeah. bad, hey. right? <laughs> right? Good for him. I mean, what a way to what a way to do it. That's yeah. the way to do her. So good for him. I mean, I probably would have done the same thing too, but it was fairly like cringeworthy when when Kid Rock was banging it, like nailing it, and then it stopped for a bit, and then Flint started singing. It's like following <laughs> following Kid Rock. You don't want to follow Kid Rock. Yeah, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's cool. It's his last one, so I was like full seven. I was like, holy fuck, just let, let Kid Rock sing, buddy. Like, <laughs> you don't want to follow that. That'd be yeah. cool, though. God darn. Yeah. That's pretty sweet, hey? See all the different people that they've they've been bringing in. They, you see Rip come in there from Yellowstone, Cole Hauser, um, they got well tons of Yellowstone influence, I guess, around there by the looks of it. Then they got Bingham playing the uh, Dirty Thirty party, which is probably going on right now as we're recording this aspect. So, as an alum, I got the invite to go to the uh, Dirty Thirty party, be a part of this sucker. But that figured that probably wouldn't be the best decision <laughs> for me. <laughs> You'd be dirty thirty days before you got home. Yeah, it'd be a good time. I know that. So yeah, yeah. opted out of that. But yeah, it's cool to see they got a lot of stuff going on. And um, looking forward to the second weekend of the World Finals. And your guy, Jose Vitor Leme, uh, that you picked to win the finals, is going to have to do some stepping up. Goes over three, boys. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. And I apologize. I haven't been following it real, real close. But our, our Canadian Nick Tetz, um, he is uh, row two, correct? Row one. One out of three. Oh, yeah. But he was 89. He was 89. I think he went third in the round. So Okay. okay. Yeah. Huge accomplishment. And one and one that had never been rowed, correct? Yep. Yeah. Well, it hadn't been rowed yet in 15 or so out. So steps nice. up to the plate. You know, anytime you can get Bulls rowed at the world finals is is an accomplishment, especially Nick, you know, kind of squeaking in through the through the velocities and then really making a name for himself right now, which is awesome for this team stuff that we're talking about too, right? There's yeah. gonna be people hounding him, wanting him to to be a part of a team. So he's stepping up and we all know up here how good Nick can ride at all times. It's a different game down there. You know, you're in a different, you're in different company. Bulls are a little different. There's a lot of different stuff going on and it takes a little bit sometimes to to show up and show everybody what you got. And I think he's doing that here right yeah, now at the Boston sure. finals and then doing it, doing it there. So he's got a book called kidnapper to kick off round one or round four. It would be the first round of the second weekend of the world finals, which is a good bull. Um, Black bull should be around on the right. Um, tougher bull, but every bull at the finals is tough, right? So anytime you get one of them covered, it's a it's a short round bull, right? So uh, that could go well for Nick though, and then get the week rolling the way that he wants to to get it done. So yeah, it's cool. 
my guy Dalton made a good ride. He was 90 in the in the last round, so he keeps his world championship hopes alive with that one. Didn't get the job done on Ricky Vaughn, which was a was a pick of ours to win that first round, but that was the classic round, and the Bulls really bucked. And we're going to get into some classic talk with our guest today. Hey, Scott. That was a pretty yes. fun, fun interview with uh, Chad Drury of Nothing But Try Ranch. Yeah, it was. It really was. Obviously, the first time I'd met the fellow, but um, definitely has some core values and is willing to stand behind, you know, what he thinks is right. And he does say it in this interview, you know, you, you just do what's right and stick to it. So I think... Uh, from what I got from everything, he's maybe found out who some of his friends, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. really are when it gets yeah. down to it. Like so many of us have in life, we figure out, uh, you know, who's really got your back and who doesn't. So it's a shame it shook down like the way it did. But, um, you know, we, we get to hear the ins and outs of it in this interview for sure. Yeah, we'll have a good chat here with Chad coming up. And for those that maybe don't completely know what's going on, we go into it. But uh Chad was the first contractor to hit the replay button at a PBR event, and it was a competition event in which the times mattered for his bull score. A lot of moving parts, a lot of uh, opinions on it, especially on Facebook, and then we had a bunch of people reaching out to us and uh, asking us to have him on just to hear the story from from his side. So that's what we're all about, figuring out what's actually going on, and uh, gave him an opportunity to tell his story. And and I, the thing with it, I think it's not trying to call anybody out or try to change anything in that situation. It's just uh, to to hear what's going on out there in our in our bull riding industry. So, yeah, he's a good guy and he has a cool story with his brother and his family and the bull side yeah. of things. And I got out of it a lot, too. I like for people that don't know what contractors are or what they do or think that maybe our, our sport is not good to the animals that are involved, the animal athletes, I think this interview puts that to bed. So there's a couple aspects of this interview that I liked. It shows how much these guys care for the animals. It's their whole lives and what goes into it day in and day out and the love that they have for, for the animals in the sport and in the PBR. Well, and he's, he explains it to, to be involved in this uh, competition with these bulls and that the bull teams it's, I think it don't quote me, but it's 30 some thousand dollars, you know, to, it, it's not like it's just easy to be in. You got to commit to it. So you can kind of see and hear in this interview, why he was fighting so strong to, you know, do what was right. So to get the job uh, done. Yeah. And, and the best part about it is all he wants is just to tell, set the facts straight to stop all the rumors and, you know, shit gets going and for, you know, what it's all, messed up well we, we got it from the the boss's mouth so that's that's good for sure buddy so riverside dodge in prince albert saskatchewan is home of the award-winning ram truck they are the brand you trust to haul a trailer load of rank bulls along with your crew up front in the cab whether you want to go check fences or tailgate outside the next pbr event the boys at riverside dodge have the right truck for you riverside dodge is not only the dealer of choice in northern saskatchewan but also sells and services all across western canada go see ty and the gang at riverside dodge for a fair no bullshit deal on your next truck and tell them tanner scott or jd sent you riverside dodge and prince albert is the official truck dealership and sponsor of the nfb podcast and everybody keep your eyes open uh for uh i don't know what we'd call it we'll call it the tanner burn wagon with my picture all over it my big dually badass looking dually it's going to be pulling uh uh, some bulls around here pretty quick and then uh, my camper at all the different rodeos all across canada so uh if you see it 
uh, take a picture, send it over to us at the pod page. Uh, let us know, uh, let us know where you see it, what you think. So, uh, yeah, Riverside Dodge, thanks for all that. Thanks for everything you guys do. It's time, Scott. It's time, I think, for our Sunday scary stories. You you stepped up last time during the Wainwright talk of uh, of the Justin LaVenture conversation that we were having, and you said that you had a Sunday scary stories and a full pro story. So do we still got those that you can uh, that you can rip for us? Well, I got the Sunday scary story is is going back to the same party we were talking about that I hosted just uh, at my little acreage that we owned at the time, just east of Wainwright, Alberta. Um, there was a number of people at the house. My wife was gone and. Uh, Jason Twile. There was a whole bunch there. But anyways, Justin, he he's kind of a crazy bastard. And not only did he jump the truck onto the trailer, not only did him and Blair Hansen and a bunch of guys ride a pump jack that was right beside the highway. And I mean, not for two minutes, for like an hour and a half, just sat there and bobbed up and down, which I come to find out later is highly illegal. But anyway, <laughs> I don't think anybody's worried about that at the time. The best part of the whole deal is, is Justin in the course of riding the pump jack cutting shitties in the field for two hours in this old Dodge truck and putting it on the trailer, he lost his wallet, but he never told anybody and I didn't know. So Mm -hmm. the next spring, so a full year later, (laughs) I'm walking out in the field. I forget for why I was walking out there, but anyways, I'm just walking along and Holy shit. There's a wallet on the ground. I open it up. It's got money in it. It's got all the ID, credit cards, bank cards. Open it up, Justin LaVenture. I'm like, holy shit, that'd be from the wild party we had. (laughs) So I called him. I said, hey, I just found your wallet. He goes, oh, no shit. Found it, eh? And I'm like, yeah, you probably, you know, got new cards and everything. No, he said, I haven't changed a thing. Just send her back to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I just... I just packaged his wallet up and sent it back. And a year later, it was like nothing happened. He was back just like, yeah, it's all uh, good. Year-long yeah. scaries, looking for your year, wallet. <laughs> yeah, year-long scaries, yeah. Ah, so, that's good. I like that. Uh, you got a good oh, yeah. Bo Burn wallet story, too. I'll have to tell one day on here. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, obviously, I love Bo to death. But he, him and wallets don't get along well. He forgets them. Yeah. Over, that could be a the segment. Year. The things yeah. Bo's lost could be a full segment on here. Yeah. And get us through about a hundred episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No shit. So the, the full pro, we're going to have to go full pro slash amateur. And okay. Jason hates, Jason hates when I tell this story, but it is freaking hilarious. And the world needs to know. Yes, it does. <laughs> Hollywood always dressed. Even when he fought bulls was dressed to the nines. Everything was perfect. You know, makeup was perfect. Sure. That didn't matter. We were getting taped up in the sports medicine trailer at Innisfil at the rodeo and where they parked it. When you stepped out of that trailer, you stepped into that alley right behind the grandstands where everybody walked back and forth back. So it was fairly full. It was pre, you know, 20 minutes rodeo time. So lots of people, I was second in line to get taped. So he finishes taping his, they finished taping his ankles. He throws on his baggies and he kind of pops his collar and, you know, everything's good. And he's going to step out of the trailer amongst all these people. (laughs) And when he put his hat on, he put it on backwards. Uh (laughs) 
and just stepped out to those people and started walking. He's just like, hey, how's it going? How's it going? And I mean, I'm watching him. I'm sticking my head out the trailer, me and the sports bed gang. And like somebody's like, shouldn't we tell him? I'm like, fuck no, that is hilarious. He's just bopping along with his hat on backwards. Looked like goddamn Amish kid. Uh, fuck, it was so funny. But he hates when I tell that story. But anyway, it's too bad. And what was the per- story? What was the story with cutting the top out of his hat? Is that the fashion statement? Or we all see that picture of Jason with the hat, hat with no no uh, crown. Well, obviously he had hair back then, so he didn't have to worry about sunburn. But uh, I don't know. I think that was just kind of a thing at one point. There was guys that did that. I uh, maybe he's got more to it, but I'm sure he just cut it off just because it was, <laughs> pardon the pun, cool. Do you know what I mean? Cooler yeah. and cool. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's all it, it was because of that. But yeah. uh, anyway, beauty. <clears throat> yeah, do you got a uh, do you got an amateur hour story? Do you think of you got any good ones? You've been uh, <laughs> you've been on the road for a long time. It has to be something that you can remember that you see. Oh, uh, you know what? You're. I'm gonna have to. I don't know. I have to think on that. There's quite a few that I'd have to sift through to make sure I tell the right one. But you'll think on it. They'll think on it, yeah. We'll have to, we'll, uh, we'll be seeing each other here. So we'll talk about it and get one lined up for the next pod. Um, I, I do have to make mention of how good of an announcer Robert Schmidt is, though. I know that for a fact because that guy rocks. Yeah. Um, and, and carried my, my first time out clowning at Tisdale. I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that, that without him, I was pretty much fucked. So did, did uh, he send you that, that you had to say that or what? Is no, the gun to you? no, 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 not oh, at yeah. all. I just, I, I, I kind of got, you have about to say it. that because he's got an amateur hour story that you don't want. To <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you nailed it. And, and it was amateur hour and it wasn't that long ago. So I'm just, uh, I'm just taking care of business as they say. Hey, we all do it. And I think the best part about our, these uh, these stories is we've all been there. We've all done them. And it's from experience that we know that, that it's full on amateur hours. So you don't want to do it. Learn by <laughs> learn by uh, seeing, not by doing, young guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Know. Well, the one on amateur hour for me this week was uh, was the tire shop in town that told me that my tires were good to go and I was ready to hit the trail. And then when I was driving down the number two, uh, between Calgary and Edmonton with a full load of steel that uh, my tire fucking blew <laughs> on the number two this weekend. Did you hear it blow? Did yeah, and it I, felt, I looked back and I seen some, some uh, you know, a poof, and then the trailer yeah. did a little shaky shake, but it was, uh, it was a, you know, duel, so it was okay. But um, yeah. yeah, it was a little sketchy due to the fact that I didn't really know what I was doing hauling steel in the first place. Secondly, to blow a tire on that, uh, that busy highway. And then, um, have a full load of, of steel on. So how the hell am I going to change this tire? <laughs> you were on the Alberta Autobahn there. If you're not doing 150, you're second place. <laughs> yeah. And then full pro shout out Fountain Tire Camrose. Uh, they were a sponsor of the the bow riding, the Rose City Invitational that we were that I was going to, and uh, phone Coy. He phoned them and they said to go and park it right in front of the shop. And I did that. And while the bow riding was going on, they fixed my tire. Another one looked uh, pretty terrible, so they fixed it as well. Gave me a new one of those, which I gave them the full go-ahead. They're like, well, like, what do you want? I was like, fucking, I don't care. Fix it. Make it perfect so I can get home. I just want to go home. And so uh, they did while the bull ride was on. By the time it was over, I got a ride back over there. Things were just ready to rock, and I sailed there all the way home. 
So I know what a bullfighter makes. Mm -hmm. um, after two tires minus some fuel, some yeah, yeah, you pretty much went in the hole on that one, right? Oh, one hundred percent, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it was all in good fun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We do it for the fun. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. We they kept us busy too, Gamros, me and Prescott, Ty Prescott, and that money there. There was quite a few uh, guys were letting it hang out. Bulls were fresh, so uh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, wasn't smooth sailing by any means. A couple of racks white Lisa got knocked out. That was the video on, on the internet that you can go check out uh, on my Instagram. But those are tough ones, eh? Because I never like going over top of a guy because you want to bring the bull away from the guy when he can't get up. But that fucking thing was just spinning right on top of him, and I just kept seeing the feet getting closer and closer. Plus, I didn't want to move him. But if I didn't move him, that thing was going to step right on his head. So it was yeah. like, you know, the, the choices that you have to make in those split seconds are so hard. Um, but at the end of it, it was like, this thing's not going to spin the other two guys. I'm over top of them. The other two guys I know can get his attention to take him away. I'll just lay over top of them here and take the fucking beating. If it comes to that kind of thing yeah. is my thoughts. But what do you think? Well, yeah, you definitely, when that situation happens, it's always better if you have a bull with some hook, you know, there's yeah. something that'll chase, <clears throat> pardon me, something that'll chase you. And in that situation you guys are in, you just, you did all you could do. I mean, that bull just wants to keep whirling and bucking. He has no concern of anybody even getting a hold of him like you guys did three or four times. And, you know, there's that's part of the game. And you just got to stand your ground and hopefully you're the first one that gets hit again, no matter how it happens. But sure is nice when they'll pick their head up and come with you to the out gate or to the far end of the arena or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, that's, you yeah. yeah. And that's one of the first things you tell kids when you're teaching them at schools is I, you don't, I don't care if that guy's knocked out, you, you get hooked a thousand times in that far corner or whatever you got to do to keep that bull down there. And just let him mow you, know, you down there. Yeah. 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 That's all you can do. Right. Yeah. So well, you're right. You don't want to move them, but like in your instance, something was going to, yeah, it's going to get worse. He's about to fade back on top of yeah. And I got to give a yeah. shout out to uh, TNT. Tyler Thompson was the bow roper there. And me and Tyler uh, sat up many a nights and had arguments about when the bow roper comes in and throws the rope because lots of times uh, a guy will panic who's your bow roper and just throw that rope in there. And then everybody gets in a really bad bind because like if he would have thrown that rope in there to try to rope that thing when he's spinning like that, even if he catches it, it's just going to circle around all of us bullfighters yeah. and the rider. And then we're all just literally tied together. So, uh, you know, he didn't, he did, he waited, let us do our job. And then as soon as that thing gave him a shot to go in there, he rode in there and did that. So I didn't give him a shout out on Instagram and he let me know about it, but here's the, here's the shout out because he did do a, a good job in that sense. Cause there, you know, everybody's screaming, get in there, do something. Blah, blah. But lots yeah. of times when you do something like that, bull ropers and you've seen it, I've seen it yeah. stay the fuck out of it. Right. It just turns it into a worse wreck and then when it is your shot then you go ahead and take it well that's cowboy and and tyler's been in that situation on the ground you yeah. know so yeah. i mean you couldn't ask for a better guy that's gonna throw one in there at the proper time and and another thing is what a lot of fans and and spectators don't realize is the out gate how important that mm -hmm. is the guy running that out gate you know yep. uh, five ten times over my career guy doesn't really know and whatever he'll just throw the out gate and we're not done doing our job yet say a guy's hung up or whatever yeah. and next yeah. thing you know we got the shit fight in the back right so there's a lot of everybody's job in that arena is important none more than the other but it's all about uh reading the play just like yeah. you guys do every every time someone nods their head 
And when it goes smooth, you don't notice any of that. But when it goes bad, it goes fucking bad, especially that outgate. Have you ever been hit with the outgate, Scott? You ever had face? (laughs) I'd like to to thank Chad Best Plug's dad for (laughs) a solid scar between my eyes. And, you know, he fully admitted he did not like that job, but somehow got wrangled into it. But same thing, threw a guy off. I think, I can't remember who's on that bull. Doesn't matter. Just, Just a textbook thing, throws a guy off. Pick him, make a pass, make a pass through there. <laughs> yeah, he just opened the gate, thinking, you know, just get everything away. And yeah, I wore that sucker right between the eyes. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is what it is. The sad part was, is I wasn't in the arena for like three bulls because they had to give me some quick stitches. <laughs> and my wife thought I would, my wife thought I was sick and went to the bathroom. But no, nice. Nice. I, I was getting stitches, honey. Come on, babe, back. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've okay. seen them panic too, and uh, and have uh, you know the gate guy if there's a hang up or a guy sticks a foot in the rope and just panic because you like it's mm-hmm. scary. You think like all those situations, somebody gets knocked out, you don't know how bad it is, and especially if you haven't been around it a lot, you do. You think somebody's dying, right? Yeah, so it's like fuck. Sure. Everybody freaks the fuck out, and that's our job, obviously, is to stay calm in those situations. But you have a guy on the gate or something like that, and I've seen it crack that gate open just in a panic, try to let the bull out. Well, then that fucking thing goes into the back pen with that yeah. guy still tied to him or underneath of him and in the strip and yeah. shoot. And, oh, yeah, yeah, we've seen her. Not good. Hey, there we go. There's our, uh, here's the outro hour for this week is having the wrong people in the wrong places as, yes. uh, as a production person putting on a bed. Uh, having inexperienced, say, gate men, uh, gate openers. That's a huge deal, too, for yeah. bull riding, horse events. Uh, somebody that doesn't really know what they're doing as the person that's opening the gate. Uh, we've seen a million wrecks happen that way. Somebody not doing it. Yeah. Out gates, even the van gates that people walk in and out of. Sure. You gotta have people there that know what they're doing so they don't open that gate when there's a bull out there or a horse or an animal. Yeah. yeah. Having the, have, there you go. That's fucking full yeah. on. There we go. Uh, having, having just uh, randoms working in places that, uh, that they have no business working in. There we go. That's right. Perfect. I like it. We worked at that one. We got it. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We got it. Ad read for Hooked Up Enterprises. For the biggest moments under the brightest lights in the biggest situations, get hooked up. Hooked Up Enterprises is a creative partner for Western Sports and Beyond, providing customized arena wear for some of Rodeo's most elite athletes and state-of-the-art arena wear wrap display products for some of Western Sports' most prestigious events. They are the official in-arena gear of the NFB podcast. Find out more at www.get-hookedup.com or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Stand up, stand out, and stay hooked. I think I fumble fucked some of the uh, words on that one, but you guys understand what I'm talking about. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, just go over to my Instagram page and check out the new jerseys that the boys Brent and the crew made for me at uh, at Get Hooked Up at Hooked Up Enterprises. They are absolutely unreal. Flashy, got a kind of a yellow brown design, uh, new red and black design, and then uh, old school pink in honor of uh, my dad's gear that he used to wear as a bullfighter. So they can do anything. They can design anything. Uh, they're the go-to. Uh, last weekend at Camrose, we had uh, our hooked-up gear. Coy Robbins got them for the Rose City Invitational. Jerseys were on point for uh, Acumen uh, Performance Center. They were the sponsor of the Bullfighters there. So these guys can do it all, whether it's jerseys or arena wrap. It's the go-to in, in Western lifestyle. So thanks thanks to Brent and the, and the crew at Hooked Up Enterprises for supporting this podcast as well. And if you need anything, go check them out, www.get-hookedup.com.
I think another thing, and maybe you're about to mention, is Larry Mahan uh, passing away. Hey? Yeah. So I was going to reach out to, uh, which we still should do this, but to uh, to Ty Murray and see if he would come on and just do a full on episode of a tribute to Larry Mayhem because that like is it. like the original cowboy, the king of the cowboys before Ty Murray. Everybody knows Ty Murray is the king of the cowboys with all the world titles that he had. And that was Ty's idol. Like he was the, the, the man, like he, he was yeah. the coolest guy in the rodeo world and um, did more than anybody did. And, and um, yeah, you can't really put into words who this guy was. He was like the, um, what's the fucking thing that the, the all the presidents are on Mount Rushmore. He's like the Mount Rushmore of rodeo people, yeah. I would say, right for sure. Larry Mayhem. I I watched forty minutes or so or half hour of his his funeral was live on the Cowboy Channel last night, so I took it all in and and the who's who of rodeo past, present, future um, was there. You know, um, you name it, they were there, and he obviously was an influence on everybody. I remember, I think. Uh, Larry Mayhem had the straw hats there for the longest mm-hmm. time. If you know yeah. you got a hat and then Larry in it. Anyway, yeah. uh well, he was like I a designer. Of, Sorry to cut you off, but that's another yeah. thing. Outside of it was like he designed clothes and different shit. And I think that's what Ty talks about what that guy did for the sport outside of the arena. Right. Was like the original guy to to step away from the the X's and O's of you just do your job as a cowboy in the arena. He went out and did all the media, did all that other stuff. Sorry, you keep going though, but yeah, he had a huge influence on that. Yeah, and I don't know, and I hope I don't get shot for this, but I, I kind of, from the stories, the stories that I've heard in the last, obviously since he passed away, is that he was, he was like a trendsetter, right? He, he, he's trendsetter, and people follow. But you know, you look at someone like Rocker Steiner, who is that kid that wears something different than everybody else, or does mm-hmm. something a little different. I picture him as that he was that guy, you know, he was, wasn't scared to beat to his own drum and do his own thing. And, and obviously could, could ride anything with hair on it as well. So, and he, and he got into, um, I want to say a lot of cutting, uh, like in his later years or whatever. So he was a hand at anything he did. And, um, I watched, like I said, the funeral, and I think it was his business partner for 30 or 40 years. Uh, I can't remember the fellow's name, but he just said how he was, the energy put into being a cowboy and a rodeo cowboy. He was like that business too. He, he did everything, you know, 110% was all in. So yeah, yeah pretty cool. And uh, step outside of, uh, outside the box. Exactly. Like you say, I like that with the, the rocker Steiner one, which we don't know for sure, but it seems that way in the sense of like step outside of it, be different, yeah. dress different, act different, and then be able to back it up. And I think yep. that's like a big thing that um, we haven't talked about on the pod as well, but of the guys that we talk about doing that, like a rocker or a JB for the young guys that are listening in that want to be like that. The biggest aspect behind being like that is being able to back your fucking shit up. You know, yeah. you can act like that and then just not, not be as good as those guys. And you just look like a fucking idiot. So well, yeah, it's like, not like I- we're telling people to go out and be like rocker or be like JB or be like, uh, you know, do something crazy or act crazy because the only thing that backs that shit up is by backing it up by what you can do in the arena. So yeah. if if you're acting like different or or like that, but then you can't back your shit up, you won't last very long. I promise you that. So be able to back yeah. it up. Like 
when I used to step on the ice, the Hornets, <laughs> fuck, I knew I could back it up when I got off the ice. There's anybody who wanted to call me out. I was like, well, you check out tomorrow. Bad stack. Yeah, I think another aspect that we should just touch on quick is thinking about everybody in all the fires up here in uh, in Canada. Oh, I, 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 fucking... <laughs> I tell you what, you don't need to light a cigarette around here today. Holy Christ. You guys smoky, oh, dude? Oh, yeah. like, like crazy. crazy smoky. Yeah. 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 It's that's bad. nuts. You know, we've had friends of the show, Kenny Lambert, Jet Lambert, young boy rider up here in Canada. They lost their whole place during these fires up by uh, Grand Prairie. I talked to Jet last week and he said the only thing that was left standing was the pillars that was that that it, stuff was built on so it's uh it's very very serious and hopefully we can get some rains up here and, and hopefully get some backup from our governments and whatnot as well too to try to get these things done because it's it's insane right now up here well brenda vold who is a large contributor to uh the uh sport uh, cpr sports hall of fame so i had a good visit with her last week and i noticed she posted today she was about to do drayton valley and they evacuated yeah and canceled she was, it and yeah. we all know what it's like to wake up at a rodeo when it's done like the most too many ghosts too much shit whatever she said this is where the sunday scaries came from <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly but she had to go back this week and grab her office stuff like because they um, just had to said, leave everything they had to leave Holy everything. So he said, you want double scary walk back into a building that's all set up and ready to go for rodeo, but nothing happening. Right. So uh, I get it. I get what she was saying. And uh, it would be, be pretty eerie, you know, and she, she said she got to see, she said in that post, I got to see actually how close it was to Drake Valley. So Christ. yeah. Uh, could, could wipe out a whole city. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Brenda too, not just a contributor of the uh, Hall of Fame, but of most all things Canadian rodeo. She's an integral cog in all things yeah. rodeo and the contract yeah. acts and everything. Beautiful Wonderful lady. lady. Yeah, 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 exactly. Big shout out there. I think that gets us there, Scotty. You good with that? I know you got a million things left to do, as do uh, as do I. And I was, obviously, yeah. as does Jason. He just has to sit yeah. on the plane and probably drink yeah, mimosas know, the whole way yeah, over the axis. Yeah, he's busier yeah. than all of us. <laughs> right about now, he's like in the front row with lots of leg room, big table. Pro- yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's got a tough next four hours flying home, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Fuck me gently. <laughs> okay. this uh, We'll throw it to our interview here with uh, Chad Drury. But before we we do this interview is brought to you by the czar lake bellorama for the best of all the bad to the bone pbr action make a plan to come down to the czar lake bellorama july 21st 2023 the rankest bulls and the best cowboys in the business will try and win one of the biggest single day paydays in the industry at the back-to-back and reigning pbr canada event of the year for more information check out and like our facebook page or check our website www.czarlakebellorama.com czar lake bellorama come get some Remember, tickets that you get, uh, they'll be at the door, so show up early. Uh, the Chris Buck Band is playing afterwards for the dance and the party. It's going to be wild. It's going to be Western. It's going to be fun. Midsummer time there, so get your tickets for that. And now, here is our interview with Chad Drury. Well, nothing but Tri Ranch. I come up with that to honor my little brother, Shane Drury. He passed away from uh, cancer in 2006. He went and made the NFR in the bull riding in 2000, and we grew up together, we rode it together, we were inseparable. Initially, we were just gonna, you know, get a ranch and just raise buck and bulls and just, we didn't really have a plan. We didn't even know what we wanted to do. We just wanted to just to be in the bull business and just have some fun. That was before 
the ABBI was just kind of getting going and there wasn't a whole lot going on, but we were just both done, you know, done rodeo and he obviously couldn't rodeo anymore and it's just something, you know, when you're in this lifestyle, it's a lot, you'll see a lot of bull riders, ex-bull riders are in the bucking bull business because it's just something you can't ever get rid of. So it's, you can't, you can only ride bulls so long, it's a very, very short time frame of your life. So you'll see a lot of people that are going to transition to it because you want to be involved somehow. Well, I guess today is the owner and operator of Nothing But Try Ranch, a PBR World Final Stock Contractor, a former bull rider, member and competitor of bucking bull competitions across the U.S. of A. He recently became the first stock contractor to hit the PBR replay button. He's also a father. He's an event producer. And he's an all-around bull hand. It's our buddy, Mr. Chad Drury. Chad, how are we doing today? Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. Good. We're glad to we're glad to have you on here, man. I know there's been a, a lot of talk here lately on social media and everything that went on with that uh with that button press. We'll get into all that as as we go here first. But uh first I want to hop into the world finals. That's what's going on right now. You had some bulls up there. So uh do we catch you in Fort Worth? Are you close enough that you can go back home? What's going on with your bulls here right now? Yeah, well, I live in western Oklahoma, so I'm only about four and a half hours from Fort Worth, so I had my bulls out the first round and we came home and then we're, we're going to leave back in the morning to uh, finish the weekend off like down in Fort Worth. So how'd the, how'd the first round go? How'd things go for you so far with, with your bull? What bull did you have out? What I had blown away out and in my blood out in the first round did not go very good within my blood. He's actually in the classic competition and he bucked in the shoot and the bull rider cut him with his spur on top of his back. So they disqualified him because he showed some blood. So unfortunate, threw sixteen hundred dollar entry fee out the window, but it is what it is. And blown away, man, was I excited! Everyone dreams as a Scott, as a stock contractor, to get a go around buckle. Yeah. And Cooper Davis had blown away, blown away goes right every time into Cooper's hand. I pretty much thought it was a lock to win the round, and unfortunately, Cooper got thrown off about five and a half seconds, but. It wasn't yeah. from lack effort. That bull really bucked, and they're they're actually bringing it back Thursday night for the in the rank pen. So, so is the is the classic competition the same way where you 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 all your bulls that qualify go the first round, and then the top twenty or so get to come back for the for the championship? No, it used to be that way for the classic finals, and last year actually they they bucked forty classic bulls, and they brought fifteen back for the for a second round. It wasn't the short round; it just they brought the best 15 classic bulls and, you know, you had two outs, but this year they only had one out. So it's basically for the classic bulls. It's a one and done deal this year. So. Damn, that's kind of crazy. So is it over then? The, the classic champions already crowned? No, 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 no. The classic, no. The, see, it usually is during the PBR finals, but with the PBR finals moving up, our, the classic finals is actually going to be the first round of the Challenger Series finals in Vegas the weekend before the Team Series final starts. Oh. And then the top 15 bulls from – the top or no that the top 12 bulls from the challenger series event which is also the classic finals they go on to the the for their second round is actually going to be in conjunction with the team series finals and then it's going to be a two head average like it used to be so so you got a full year then i guess the pbr the finals bulls. yeah and the pbr finals you know moving to may kind of put a hitch in the giddy up of the abbi with the classic bulls cuz typically the first whole round of the class finals is, is or of the pbr finals is a classic round and then they bring the top 15 back to buck you know in round three or four whatever they decided to do but with it moving up it's just basically a regular classic event this year 
at the PBR finals. And then the R finals has moved, you know, it, it's still in conjunction with the finals, but it's actually with the team finals now. That's I always wondered that because with the finals being on right now in May, like I know in Canada, most of us are like just getting guys on our four-year-olds or three-year-olds, right? Like it's May. So it's just getting nicer up here. And you guys are ending the year in May. It seemed like a crazy thing. And I was wondering about shoot procedure. I know that like you talked about your bow getting cut on the back, whatever it might be, the shoot procedure with those four-year-olds when they're in that early stage, it usually can be pretty ratty. So I'm I'm sure it's pretty much uh, a crapshoot right now at a lot of these events with some of these four-year-olds, right? Oh, yeah, it most definitely is. And what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of people, and it's not just the Brazilians that pull a tight rope. Everyone pulls a tight rope now, and they all use that Brazilian rope, and then bulls don't like it. So you can buck them at the practice and stand, and stand good, but when you put that rope in them, it's a whole different ballgame. They're not going <laughs> to like it a lot of times. They're, they're just not – they're not big or mature enough to really, you know, really be able to handle it. So it takes a lot out of them. So who's who's making the calls nowadays for say for the finals? Is it is it Cody Lambert still or is it Riley Riley Gagnon? Is he the one phoning around or how do you get a bull for those that don't know? How do you get your bull to the to the world finals? Other than say the classics that run through the ABBI, but a normal older bull, how do they get there now? Oh, typically uh, Riley replaced Cody. So Cody has Cody Lambert has nothing to do with anymore. So Riley replaced him. It's Riley's sole decision on what comes and what goes to the PBR finals for all the to the UTBs. For that matter, and especially you know the the PBR finals, he makes the ultimate decision. Now that 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 wouldn't be a fun job at times. I gotta oh, say, fuck. holy cow! You know that's a man. That's a bet, lot of it would suck. I would I wouldn't want it. I mean, it, you got to get the best bulls, and then you got so many contracts to deal with. There's a lot of them that have good bulls, so I wouldn't want the job. I mean, I yeah. I definitely wouldn't. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> so what's the what's the vibe at the World Finals right now in the in the contractor side of things with uh, Blake Sharp taking over the uh, contractor of the year, dethrones Chad Berger after like a hundred fucking years of, of winning contractor <laughs> of the year. Uh, how's that going by the scenes? I know a contractor's and um, I'm one myself up here. I got some bulls up here in Canada, but we're from what I'm seeing with it, we're similar to like maybe barrel racers or team ropers in the sense that you want that other guy to do good, but you want your stuff to do a little bit better. So is there some animosity? Everybody happy for uh, for Blake or what's going on there with him winning that? Man, I, I actually I actually was at home when they announced this. I really don't know what was going on, you know, right, you know, front and center down there. But I'm tickled for Brett, for Blake. I mean, he he's him and his partners have put together one heck of a set of bulls this year. And he went to Dangner every event. So he. He basically outroaded all the contractors, and he had enough bulls to be able to pull it off and do it. So, I much respect for him. I mean, he earned it. And was he a football player? Where did where did he come into into this game, the contracting side of things? Well, his dad's Tony Sharp. He he uh, hauled that bull uh, hammer. Yeah, it was a bull year contender for several years. So, and Blake, I want to say he played Division two or three football and they were actually now college national champs for whoever wherever he played for so but now i guess he's one heck of a ball player but no i mean he's always been cool to me he's a super nice guy he's a he's big and scary but man he just a, he's a super nice guy <laughs> he's awesome. definitely the biggest he is definitely the biggest contractor there is for sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something breaks out in the back you want that guy behind you oh yeah <laughs> at bare minimum a scare tactic yeah exactly uh all right man well let's get into it here because um 
you know, it's been the the talk of social media. I mentioned it in the intro, and um, I was getting tagged all over the place, all over Facebook and Instagram to to have you on here and tell your story. I think most of our listeners know that that we uh, we call it how it is, and and um, when there's something that goes on, we want to get the full story behind it. So, uh, what better way to get it from the horse's mouth that was right in in the mix of it all, and and um, just a backstory on what went on. So, um, from my understanding, it's a bull competition or you enter a certain amount of bulls, say four bulls or something, what it might be. You can, you can, uh, you can correct me on all the stats that I'm wrong once I'm finished here, Chad, but it's a bull competition. You enter your bulls and, um, for our guests that maybe don't watch bull riding or follow bull riding, the, the bulls are marked themselves. And between the, the four bulls that you have, their total score, um, they can enter the, they can enter an event themselves and the highest scores between those bulls wins a big prize at the end of the day. You had your bull team entered and it's based on rider time that extra points get that get divvied out to these bulls. So you want the guy to stay on a little longer so that, that you can get some more points for your bulls. They called a slap on one of your bulls that said the buck off time then would have been about 1.1 seconds. You being on the back of the shoots, you noticed that that guy actually didn't slap the bull at 1.1 second and that he rode him longer than that. So he didn't make the whistle, but he rode him those extra seconds, which then would have gave you some extra points and enough points to move you into the lead for that event. So in the PBR, there's a button that all the riders can press that if they think that they made the whistle or they didn't slap the bull or the judges got the call wrong, they can hit that button and challenge it. It's never been done by a contractor, especially when, you know, he wasn't even close to the whistle. So nobody really knew what was going on, why the button was pressed. Was it a mistake? The button was pressed. You went over there and hit it knowing that that buck off time was longer. And for those that don't know, it's a hundred thousand dollar difference in that time of, of that guy getting bucked off. So hundred percent you had all the rights to do it there's no rules against it you went and hit it after it's all done they replayed it seeing that he didn't slap him they give you that extra time that's as far as i know i know that then some <laughs> shit went on then a couple days later the pbr came out with a new rule that said stock contractors are not allowed to press the button and challenge now unless a bull rider tells him to press it Let's get your story on this, Chad. I might have I botched that along the way, trying to get a lot of information in in a short period of time. What's going down? What's happening with you? And what was the real story of what went on there? Okay. And in regards, this was actually our the, the CBR Million Dollar Bull Team Challenge. It was, our, it was our finals for that. They took the top 22 teams from the regular season. Every team gets five events, and you get points, you know, based on how many teams you beat throughout the, you know, the regular season so the top 22 teams get to go at the finals you it's two bulls both days so it's a four bull total you can use the same bulls both days or swap them out you know however you see fit and it's bull score plus ride time so if they ride your bull your bull score plus eight seconds the total score in all four bulls plus your ride time that's your score highest score is the winner pays a hundred thousand win at 75,000 for second 50 for third 25 for fourth down to nine places i think nine places like 7,500 so the first day, I actually had two different teams placed with two, or with two different partners. I had two different teams entered. We actually came into the finals 21st and 22nd. So we barely made the finals. Mm -hmm. So the first day, I got we got all four bulls rowed. Both teams got both bulls rowed. We were sitting second and sixth going into the second day. So we were sitting really good. First team out, rode my bull 7.9 seconds, and then rode another bull like 5.63 or something. So – 
based on the calculations, everyone knows I was I was leading it with that team. And my my second team was was one of the very last teams to go. The second third the second third from last bulls to buck. So uh, Juno Charisma has my bull lighted up, and Ed and I Caminas has feeling dangerous. I had a pretty good feeling that Ed and I was going to ride his bull because he rode one of mine the day before away from his hand, and this other bull's just good. So they all come down to Juno. Juno, you know, gets out, rides him a long ways. I'm not going to lie, 100,000 line. I wasn't paying attention to how, if he rode him or not. Yeah. I knew he rode him a long way. But I looked up to watch replay, and the clock was stopped at 3.13 seconds. Yeah. And I knew damn good and well he rode him a heck of a lot longer than that. Yeah. So I hit the challenge button. They so were did confused. That, did that just click to you right then that it was like, I need to hit that challenge button? Because that's, you know, contractors oh, and stuff has never been done. So was it something that you thought of like at home, maybe beforehand, if that was the case, that you would do that? I've actually been planning on doing it for three years yeah. or the last two years because our, 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 the first time we had a finals was in Lincoln, Nebraska during the UTB and they had instant replay that challenge, but challenge button was available. And last year, our finals was in trying North Carolina at one of the team series scrimmages or preseason games. And they had, had a button there. So I knew it was available and I knew if I needed it, I was going to use it. And I, but I never had the opportunity. I never needed to. So, when he slapped that one, when they stopped the clock, and I looked up, and I knew Dan Goodwell, he rode him a heck of a lot longer. I didn't know if he made the whistle or not. My heart was racing. I knew he rode him pretty good long ways, and I knew I had a chance to win first and second, which is one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. So I, you dang right, I hit that. I hit that button, and they re replay. They asked me why I hit. I said he did not slap him. I'm challenging the slap. They said okay. Sent it down to review. They reviewed it, watched it. They said he did not slap him, but he bucked off at 6.68 seconds. I said, perfect. I won the challenge. Yeah. Next pull out, Ed and I. Ed and I strapped feeling dangerous for 87 points. I knew damn. I knew right then and there I won that sucker, and there's a good chance I won first and second. After And that one, then there's one bull bucked, and I actually did the calculations. I kind of had my notes written down on how other, other teams were doing. And I did the numbers, and I won first and second. I said, "Man, we just my team. We just won one hundred seventy-five thousand between both teams." My daughter, my thirteen-year-old daughter's Addie's with me, so I get she comes down from the stands. We're pumped up, high-fiving each other, excited. We walk out to the pickup, take our flanks. I take my flanks back, and we're gonna walk in to watch the short run because Josh Frost was at her, and that's Addie loves Josh Frost. Mm -hmm. Walk back. There's a whole group of contractors you know, right where they're loading the bulls out from the event to go back to bull housing. And they were just sitting there all bitching, moaning, complaining about stuff. And then they're complaining about me until I walked up. And then basically it's, I won't name any names just out of, I probably, I won't. Okay. <laughs> if you can look up the results, the teams that ended up second and third, they knew they got beat. So they knew me winning, me, me hitting that challenge button is going to cost them. So they raised all kinds of hell with uh, the CBR president whining and moaning to him because they didn't think it was right. And they said, well, if I would have known that we could hit the challenge, but I'd have done it last night. And I just straight up said, look, guys, it's not my fault. You don't read the rule book. It's not my fault. You don't know the rules. It's there. I took advantage of it. So anyways, they whined about it. They called someone at the PBR and they said, no, he can't hit the button. It's like, well, so, and they came back and they said, no, I wasn't allowed to hit it. They're going to take my time away. So, at the end of the day, I ended up first and fourth. I was pretty upset about it because, first off, they got the call right. He didn't slap him. Everyone knew it. Playing his day, 6.68 seconds. Do the right thing. 
read the, the PBR rule book, it does not say anything about a contractor not being able to hit the button. So it's kind of a gray area, I guess, if you want to call it, but there's no rule that says we can't do it. I watched Sean Gleason, the CEO, president of the PBR. I've watched him press the challenge button. He's not a contestant. I've watched Flint Rasmussen hit the challenge button. He's not a contestant. The, uh, what the, I'm having a brain fart, the, the, the clown that was there this weekend during the short round, he hit the challenge button. So yeah. they've, it's been non-contestants do it a lot before. So they just know, hey, if you want to put up $500, hit the button. I was willing to put up $500 because I knew he wasn't going to slap him. And at the end of the day, if I knew I couldn't hit that challenge button, you can bet your ass I would have tracked that bull runner down and had him hit that button for me for th- in, within 30 seconds. I'd have offered him 5000 if I had to, to hit that button. Yeah. 100000 on the line. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, yeah. and then it was after, after the event, the secretary emails the results to to the powers to be at the PBR and the Million Dollar Bull Team competition. And in those results, it says my official documented time was 6.68 seconds for the buck off. The CBR did not follow their own rules by doing the results with that official time. What really, what really frustrates me is they didn't change the time in the PBR database until around 11 o'clock the next day. And the president of the CBR texted me and he, and said he has asked the PBR to change the time on their, on their, on all their platforms. Why do you have, I mean, dude, they got the call right. And my thing is they emailed all the people, all the PBR contractors the Wednesday after my event, after the issue to make a rule saying we can't hit it. So if they make a rule after it happened, that means what they're wanting to rule when it happened. So why are you going to punish me? You know, I fought like hell. I talked to, I talked to everybody toss blue in the face since Sunday, the day after it happened. And look, man, what's right is right. I mean, do the right thing. That's what, what it boils down to. They got that. They got it right. But the CBR took that took that away from me, and they, I mean, basically harmed me. But here's the deal. If I would have hit that challenge button and they review it, and they said, you know what? Hey, he did slap him, but he didn't slap him at three seconds. He slapped him at a second and a half. You can bet your butt they'd have took my time away, and they'd have never given it back. Yeah. So it, it kind of works both ways. But the simple fact is that them the two individuals that knew I beat him because at the challenge button – they raised the stink about it. So, and they actually both gained an extra $25,000, you know, because they, they reversed my ride time, but I don't think it was right because the, at the end of the day, it's all about integrity. What happened? They reviewed it. They got the call, right. But then they still took it, took it away from me. I mean, I don't, you know, it's not fair. Granted, our other team still won first and we won a hundred thousand. I'm blessed and completely thankful about that. But with my other partners that bumped them down to fourth, which paid twenty five thousand, cost that team seventy five thousand dollars. So there's a lot to unpack in that in that I mean, it's scenario. A, <laughs> so it's a well, straight, it's a straight kick in the nuts, honestly. Yeah. So I guess moving forward from here, is there going to be any more discussion about it? Do you think, or are they just, is it just done? That's it. It's over. This is how it's going to be from here on in. Like, are you going to let this go this that fast? Or are you just going to, are you going to push on it some more? Oh, I'm still going to have conversations. And I, I, I'd like to talk to Sean Gleason myself and kind of explain to him my situation, what's going on. Is it going to change anything? No, but 
you know, if he could see, if he could see where I was coming from and see that I know he hit the challenge button before when, according to the rule books, he's not allowed to hit the challenge, but he's not a PBR member. He's not a contestant, mm-hmm. you know? And so the, and really the gray area with that is, you know, I am actually a PBR member. I bought my PBR membership as a contractor and technically I was a contestant at that event. I paid an entry fee of $5,000 for the bull team and we were competing for a prize. That's what they define a contestant as. So was I a bull riding contestant? No, but I was still a contestant and I am a PBR member as a stock contractor. So mm-hmm. if they, they need to clarify those rules because it's basically however you interpret them. So if it's not cut and dry, I had nothing wrong because I've read the rules and I knew that if I had, if I needed to, wanted to challenge it, I was going to. So that's just what, that's just the, the, the crappy deal. And like I said, if I knew I couldn't hit that button, I'd, you can bet your butt I'd have that bull rider hit it for me or I had the bull rider standing next to me. I'd offer him a thousand bucks to hit it and they wouldn't have said nothing. So it's the fact is I hit the button and I benefited from it. They're going to punish me. Someone else would have hit it, wouldn't have, said, wouldn't have said a word. At the end of the day, they got the call right, but they and then they took it away from me. That doesn't settle well. No. Yeah, I think the aspect of it is it's never happened before. Nobody really seen foreseen that coming because a lot of like even me as a bull rider or, you know, people outside of the arena don't know a lot of times that that those points are based on a ride time like that. Right. So, well, you wouldn't expect somebody mm-hmm. to hit the button because the guy didn't make the whistle anyway. So I think and that's similar to a lot of like situations within our sport that there isn't a rule for it. And you knew the rule. You knew that you could do it. Like you said, you knew that if you had to, you were going to do it. And then it takes something happening for them to to make rules upon it, which has happened for the last thirty years of the PBR, right? But like you're saying, correct. Correct. with there not correct. being rules in the first place, then yeah, okay, now mm-hmm. make the rule on it. But hey, fuckers, that yeah. wasn't there before, right? That's that's I think on that side of it with you. I know that they're saying about the production and all that sort of stuff, but I think if you make a fine big enough, you're going to make sure that that guy's doing it for the right reason. You're not going to have every contractor trying to get those extra seconds because, like you say, it could go the other way. And if they make the fine big enough, it could cost you a whole bunch of money. But if that rule wasn't in place in the first place and you didn't didn't break any rules by what you did, I feel like, yeah, I think you were were in the right on that situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I had people call me, message me, I haven't had, obviously, they're not going to tell me they disagree with me, but I've had people that I haven't really got along with great in the past. They called me and said, look, dude, you got screwed. You know, I had, I've had i had a lot of people that to tell me that. And, you know, that's like, I mean, I'm a fighter. I don't, I ain't going to back down from anything, especially when, you know, what's right is right. So it just, it just does not settle, settle with me well. But, and, and now you bring up the ride time situation. You know, what people don't realize is ride time is important because at the velocity tour if they don't ride enough bulls to fill the short round you get to come back on ride time yeah to fill the short round so you need it and at the pbr finals they have rounds that are draft rounds they go based off your scores and then you draft a bull based on your ride time so ride time is important if they if, if i got the pbr finals they say he slaps the bull three seconds bucked him off at seven bucked him off at seven you can bet he's gonna hit that button to try to get a better draft pick because a three-second buck offers to seven, <laughs> I mean that that that's a especially the, you know with the, the caliber of bulls, that's a you can get a whole lot better pick at seven seconds versus three. So that oh, ride yeah. time is important for them bull riders as well. So yeah. granted, I mean they didn't bring anyone back on ride time at the at the velocity finals, but 
it is important and people need to realize that that the ride time is not just important for us for the contractors and to bring it up and you know even if they did say the contractors were allowed if they made a rule saying yeah we are allowed to hit the button if we're willing to put up the money look at it you, you've rode bulls plenty of times i don't know if the shot clock was involved or the challenge button was involved when you were riding but every ride that they have 7.9 if the stop and the, and the rider challenge it they're going to review it and they're going to be they're going to lose time because them judges hit the hit the stopwatch they stop it when the guy hits the ground when they review it 99 percent of the time they're going to lose ride time so once the comes out of the rope, so i don't think you yep. yep so i mean there's a whole lot of different i mean you see it all the time if they're right at the whistle they're they're not going to make the whistle because they're unless their hand it was in the rope when they're hitting the ground and that that, that settlement happened so I don't even foresee it being an issue with a slap. Yes. I absolutely see a guy, you know, contractor challenging when it comes to ride time with my situation. But if it's a seven seconds, I mean, Hey, they got a lot of ride time. They're not really too concerned about it. Yeah. It's some quick, it's some quick buck offs for them calling for slaps. It's going to be an issue. So but the whole deal is integrity of the sport and the bull riding, you know, that's what they preach. Hey, we have replay to get the call, right? They got my call, right. And they punished me because they got it right that right. is not right so did you get a call like how did it play out afterwards when it was done or was there talk at the event that they were like uh no i don't think it's gonna go this way did you go home thinking that you had it won how did it play out did anybody no. from the representatives call you or is it just kind of one of them deals like no you actually you weren't allowed to do that uh we're changing it back to the one second buck off and you won fourth and that's it no, when uh, when the CBR secretary emailed everyone the results while we were at Bullhouse unloading, it said that I won fourth and she gave my three second ride time. The president of the CBR was actually out Bullhouse and he came and gave me the buckle for a win a buckle and a bottle of whiskey for winning with my other team. And he basically he didn't he didn't really he honestly doesn't really know what's going on. So he basically tried to tell me that I wasn't allowed to do it. And I knew good damn good well nothing said that I couldn't do it. So I was kind of my side and he tried to say he understood whatever, but nothing. So I made phone calls to, you know, heck I called Cody Lambert to get his advice about the situation. And funny, when I talked to Cody, Cody told me, he said, look, no one at the PBR is happy that you did it. He said, but really I wrote the rule book. There's nothing saying you saying that you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And he said, to be honest with you, I'm glad you did do it so we can address the issue moving forward. So according to the person that wrote the rule book, I had a right to hit the button. Are they glad I hit it? No. But since I hit it, they can address it and make the prop prop, you know, appropriate rules moving forward. So Yeah, but it yeah, but it, so you know, after talking after, after talking to him, I really thought would they, they were actually going to reverse it. And, you know, like I I uh I submitted a, an appeal, you know, to the competition committee and then they uh they contacted me back and said it wasn't an appealable issue at the final they're not going to change my time back to their original time that they had. So now is the, is like you talk about the CBR and the PBR side of things too. Does the, the, I know what was it? The PBR bought out the CBR, right? Cause you talk about the CBR bill competition. They have their own president, secretary, all that sort of stuff. So does the PBR have the authority to change over what say the CBR came back with as their result? Well, no, at, at, no, actually the PBR to my knowledge does not own anything to do with the CBR. The okay. CBR zone entity, it's their own entity. They're con they contract with the PBR to produce, you know, to have our bowl competitions at their events. Having those 
bull competitions at PBR events saves the PBR over 300,000 a year in out money because we pay a fee. PBR gets the, gets the free bulls. So they're saving money. They PBR likes it because they're bringing rider friendly bulls got bulls are supposed to ride, put on a show for the fans and they ain't got to pay out money because it's a, it's a bull competition. So it's really kind of a win-win for everybody. So, but the CBR and their rule book, they have to go, they have to abide by the official PBR scores and times. If the PBR wouldn't have went back and changed their time after the fact, they would have had to honor my 6.68 seconds ride time, which they did not. So, dang. So, there's that's quite a few moving parts. Like, hey, the PBR. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I was trying, like, I thought, I was fighting like hell to get the PBR to change the time back to what they originally had it. And yeah. they, they wouldn't do it. So it's frustrating. So, yeah. I was just, I was just going to say, go back a week ago before this all happened. Um, your, I guess your feeling around the PBR, your feeling about the PBR to now, obviously it stings a lot in it. And it has changed. I would imagine. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Probably CBR too. Yeah. Right. Well, and the CBR. Uh, CBR, I'm actually, we actually have a, a, a franchise to put on those, you know, to be able to go to them team events. And I'm selling and I'm selling my bulls because I, I personally will not su support any company that has no integrity. So when I feel that it's an integrity issue with the CBR and the bull team competitions, and if they can't do what's right and, you know, they know it was right because the ride time was official, you know, when they're going to let a couple contractors that cry and moan, to try to say that I'm not allowed to do something that said that doesn't specifically say that I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to side with them and then not make it right with me and my partners, I don't want anything to do with them. Right. So, but the PBR, I mean, the PBR just stuck between a rock and a hard place with the situation. Yeah. And I don't know who told them that I couldn't hit the button, but I don't think they had their information correct at the beginning or the authority to say that I, that no, he couldn't hit the button because it doesn't say anywhere in the rule book that I can't. So, I mean, it's just, it, it put the PBR in a bad situation, honestly. And there's just a couple people up up there that are very, very high up that would not would not change it. And there's nothing they say there's nothing I can do about it to change it. So we're just gonna move move forward and uh do something different. That's wild. Hey, and that's the <laughs> thing that the and why I'm sure you know Facebook and everywhere is so blown up about it because and I think you've stated it, but it's not like you know, you it just costs you a couple hundred bucks like it cost you seventy five thousand dollars right and in our industry for, put, like, for that's a contractor that's a lot of money like, yeah and the yeah. money that you guys put in i think that's kind of another aspect that i wanted to get into it too with the the entry fees like like what was the what was the entry fees for for that competition or say that franchise the cbr within that the entry fees so okay with that franchise you get five you have to buy a you have to pay a sustaining fee every year of $2,500. You go to five events that are $5,000 each event. And then you have your finals, which is another $5,000 entry fee. So you have $32,500 just in fees alone for the year if you make the finals. So you're oh. already, I mean, you're, you're pretty deep. You know, you got a chance to make a lot of money, but most of the time you're not, you're not, you're barely going to break even at regular season events. It's kind of like guys that make the NFR. You don't make money rodeoing all year long. You make your money at the NFR. Mm -hmm. And that's how it is with these bull team deals. The, the big, the big money is at the finals. So, I mean, I mean, we, we, I mean, I guess we broke even the regular season. We didn't really make any money. So 
our goal was, hey, do good at the finals, and we're gonna we're gonna make our money, and we did. And then to have that taken away from us, yeah, it's yeah. just discouraging. Yep. We're thinking about you, man. We're feeling for you because uh, from what everything I was getting along with too, I wanted to get get the story of it. And I think you know, just to sum it up from my view would be that yeah, you're you're totally in the right in the sense that I can see where they're coming from, where they don't want contractors hitting the button and they're trying to figure out these rules. And and like we said, through the PBR and through the CBR and bull riding. It's taken something to happen than to to make new rules or to find out different ways to go about things. But in the sense of what you did, you didn't break any of the rules. There was no rules yeah. in place in the first place. So that sucks that there is no real explanation as to why they would have changed the ride time back because there wasn't a situation. Did you get fined for uh, for hitting the button? Because how did they go about it in the sense that you hit the button not for the slap, but lots of times it's like, if he still didn't get a score, so the call wasn't overturned. So did you did you end up getting a fine or anything like that for hitting the button on top of losing all that money? I have not received a fine, but my understanding was I challenged the slap and he did not slap him. Yeah. So I won the challenge. <laughs> okay. So I mean, technically, I won that son of a gun. So they can't find me. So then, how was the how was the uh, world finals? Now this weekend that went on was there some. Uh, some cold shoulders to you? Was there lots of guys like like you said? I know there's lots of guys saying, "Hey, you got fucked," but was there uh, was there kind of like, "Oh, don't talk to that guy. We don't any want any issues. We don't want anything legal, any battles or anything like that." Or, or what did you find? How was the vibes when you rolled into uh, Fort Worth? No, the vibes were cool. Everyone went, pretty much wanted to tell me how, that I got pretty much screwed, you know, last weekend at the at the Velocity Finals. But the f- funny thing is, you know, the first round of the PBR Finals, every time that damn challenge button ringer went off. Someone asked me if I hit that button every freaking time. So, every time. I was like, you know what? I have 75,000 reasons why that is not funny. Yeah, right? Yeah, I, I apologize. I'm laughing at that, but yeah, that's oh, exactly yeah. right. $75,000. No, it's just, it's, that's, so I, I don't made- know. It's hard to explain, but that's how lots of shit goes within our, in our industry, you've seen it in the bull riding side of things too, and it's just uh, you lose a lot of guys for it. You know what I'm saying? And and you know we've had lots of contractor guys that like fuck this stuff. Like you know, like like you say, there's nothing saying against it. There's no rules against it, but somehow you're still on the short end of the stick, even though you know and everybody else knows that that's how it should be. It's still nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to hinder it. But I think that's probably the biggest hindrance on our sport, and we've lost guys like. Jared Allen and all these, you know, big names within the game that that would help out, but shit like that just never does sit well, and it doesn't sit well with people listening. I'm sure either when you're looking at a guy that that just lost seventy five thousand dollars, who didn't do anything against the rules, didn't break any rules, and still somehow you're in the situation that you're in. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's a tough pill to swallow, and at the end of the day, I'm big on integrity and morals, and man, I mean, just do what's right. You know, that's all that's all I ask. I mean. You reviewed it. It's a gray area. It's questionable whether I was even allowed to do, hit the button. But if I was not allowed to hit that button, the replay official, everyone in that whole arena knew because they announced it that a contractor hit that button mm-hmm. because of the bull team competition. That replay official should have should have should have said, "Hey, he knows the rules. He should have said, "Hey, the person hit that button is not eligible to hit that button. It's not going to be reviewed." He proceeded to review, which means he accepted my challenge reviewed yeah. it 
No slap, 6.68 second buck off. It's you saw. If there's a problem with it after the fact, have those conversations, make a rule, and have that rule start the day you make the rule. Don't freaking backtrack and say, oh, yeah, we made this rule on Wednesday, but it goes in effect the Saturday before. That ain't cool. Like you say, integrity and whatever the fuck's right, just do it right in the first place and try to make rules um, different ways about it because it's people are going to figure out ways to do it anyway. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, and people says, well, what if their situation were, was reversed? Well, you know what? They got the call right. I would be okay with it. You know, if I didn't know you could hit the button, I do now. You know, I'm not, I'm fine with it. You know, at the end of the day, they got, they got the call right. He did not slap the bull. They got the call right. So I will accept those results. So, I mean, if, if it was reversed, I don't care. That's fine. They got, they got the call right. He deservedly should have won. Yeah. And end of, end, of, end of discussion. But when you know you got your butt kicked and then you complain that I shouldn't have been allowed to hit that button, that just makes you look stupid, man. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Well, that, yeah, I like to break down on it because, um, like I say, there's there's uh, lots of uh, talk and there's lots of different opinions of what went down or how it went down. So we wanted to get it from you to see exactly what went down the calls and everything that took place after and, and uh, kind of the, the final story of it. And, Hopefully there could be something that's done. I'm guessing it won't, but I think in the long run, karma has a way of of, of coming around. And uh, I don't think that'll be the last time you'll be in that winter circle. I know it sucks and it's a fucking kick in the dick, but I mean, hopefully it'll it'll come around for you in the long run. I think, and and I think with what you've done and, and your story, which I want to kind of get into now with how your bull industry started the nothing but try ranch all of this stuff the person that you are i think that's you know from my research that i did after i heard this story finding out more about you you've you've been through it this isn't the first situation that you've been put in that you've had to to overcome and keep on trucking through but maybe give us the backstory on you former bull rider nothing but try ranch went into the bull business give us give us your backstory there chad well, uh, my little brother Shane Drury and I, we uh, we got rodeo scholarships to go to school. We're from South Dakota. We got rodeo scholarships to go to school in uh, Weatherford, Oklahoma, at Southwest Oklahoma State. So we came down here, and I actually, you know, I'm 75 miles from Weatherford where I went to school, and I just love the area, love the people, so I just stayed down here. So after I graduated, graduated from college, I mean, Shane made the NFR in 2000, you know, when he was, I think, a junior in college, so he was a you know, who, if you heard of him, which I'm assuming you have, I mean, he was a hell of a bull rider. Yeah. And sure. he had nothing but try. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't know how to let go. But anyways, uh, after college, I graduated and I knew I couldn't make a living riding bulls. I could, I can probably pay the bills, but I'm, I'm a forward thinking guy. And I knew that I couldn't set myself up, up for the future just riding bulls. So I got a business job and I was fairly successful at that. And then during that time, Shane was diagnosed with cancer. And that actually made me focus a lot more on my career to, you know, keep me from thinking about the struggle and what my little brother was going through. So that actually helped make me more successful, but I was miserable, man. I, I'm not a suit and tie guy, you know, and unfortunately Shane passed away from cancer in 2006. And that following year, I mean, I walked away from my career because I'd rather be happy than rich. And it just, it wasn't worth it to me anymore. And really, I was focused so much on my career just to kind of distract me from my little brother's situation with him being gone. It's like, man, I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta do what, what for me. So initially we were going to, you know, do the buck and bull deal together when he, when he was pretty sick, we were uh, making up a brand 
and our brand was SC, big ass little C for Shane and Chad. And uh, I told him, I said, it's going to be capital S, lowercase C. And he asked me why, because I told, and then I told him, I said, look, if I become half the man you are, I'm going to be in good shape. So the C is half the size of the S with our, with my brand. Mm-hmm. And I do that to honor him as well. But because if people, people knew him inside and out of the arena, he had no give up, n- nothing but try attitude. And then we just named my ranch, nothing but try in honor of him. And then, uh, uh, he died in 2006 on Halloween, Halloween day. And that was actually during the PBR finals. That was when it was over two weekends in Vegas. And he was alive the first weekend of watch. Then he passed away the, you know, I think the Sunday of the second weekend. And a lot of the bull riders, you know, flew up to, you know, to attend his service. And Cody Custer, he was the back judge at that time. And he called me and said, hey, we want to do something to honor Shane. Or actually, Corey Navarre did. Said they want to do something to honor Shane. And Corey and Shane traveled together. They were best friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he asked me what I thought. And I said, man, nothing but try. I mean, that was him. Rodeo and not rodeo. And he just never gave up give it his all. So they actually made stickers and all the board riders wore, you know, and Cody Custer, the back judge put on his clipboard in a video and it showed it. It said yeah. when they did a little special on him, it showed that sticker, nothing but try in memory of Shane Drury. And then that just right down. I was like, man, that's, that's my ranch. Nothing but try ranch. I'm going to honor my little brother. So, yeah. and I'm still trying to be half man. I'm still trying to be half the man. He was, I got big shoes to fill, but yeah. I think he'd be proud. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah. It's, it's, uh, the ultimate loss, and, and did you find, you know, as a, as a, like you say, in the business world and all that sort of stuff, and and you say how it that was kind of the end of it for you. Was it like a life changing, obviously mindset changing, and it was um, a different life that you had to live once you lost your brother mentally, just being able to push forward and deciding, you know what, like you said, this wasn't, this isn't what I want to be doing, and it uh, maybe it took something like that to get your life onto the track that it's on now. Yeah, I mean funny you say that is like i hate i it, i don't know how else to say this is i think shane passed away was probably the best thing to happen to me because it kind of opened my eyes and and ha- helped me you know realize hey i need to be a better person i need to live a better life i need to you know do the right thing and just re- have you know be closer to god and you know and just do more of the things that that i need to be doing it's kind of it helped straighten me up and get me on a better path for sure so i hate to say it that that was the best thing to happen because it was also the worst thing yeah. but God works in serious ways and you know we never know when our time's up so we just got to take advantage of it well and I've, I've watched some videos and where was where was Shane the, on the on the big red muley around the right um I think he was like 94 that was a yeah he was 95 in Reno Nevada set the all-time Reno rodeo record yeah and I think for the rodeo the rodeo I think he still has that record I think someone was 96 at at the extreme bowls, but for the actual rodeo, he was ninety five, and that was on uh, Riverdance. Yeah, that's uh, sick. Uh, Riverdance, and and funny thing is, uh, Jesse Bale, I want to say he was ninety four. I think he was ninety four in that same short round on Yellow Jacket. So <laughs> it it was a pretty rare short round. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. yeah. So how, how was it, Corey Navarre? And Corey lasted forever. Holy man, that guy seemed like he rode bulls till he was like fifty, but he had a, a great long career but those guys like rodeo and in that time too kind of before cell phones and all that sort of stuff too and to make the nfr you know bow hill blue stone right that have been that that era of time jesse bale all that sort of stuff uh was there always some some good times that it seemed like they were just having a blast out there on the road calling back to you letting you know what was going on oh yeah absolutely and, and one thing people Cor- Corey navarre is actually almost in a league of his own because 
he's one of the guys. He made the college finals, the NFR and PBR finals the same year, and he did it twice. Yeah. So going to college full time and making enough rows to go to the NFR plus the PBR finals, dude's a freaking animal. And he did it yeah. twice. <laughs> I mean, my God. Yeah. You're you're so, right. When, I mean, when you when you think about that, that's crazy. Like the the amount of travel and then and then still keep up to whatever I guess you were supposed to be learning in college. That, that is yeah. a, that is pretty crazy. Well, you gotta get good grades to be able to, you know, be eligible. So you gotta at least show up something or do some sort of work. So I mean nowadays, I mean you do a lot more online, so it's a little bit more lenient, but they didn't have online classes when we were going to school. <laughs> that's right. so, and the uh, and the bull industry on that side of things too, like you say, getting into it, and you wanted to get into it with your little bro, and then from 2006 to what it is now, I'm pretty sure he'd probably be mind blowing to see all the the ABBI and the competitions, and not just the ABBI, but all the different uh, associations that you can go with these young bulls and stuff. So when you did get into it, did you know? full-heartedly like what you were getting into or when you were getting into it was it like you're just going to raise some bulls and, and try to have the best ones and maybe go to the nfr or sell them when they get older or time to take them to the pbr finals not like how it is now where it's like a full-time job where you guys are dealing with these bulls day in and day out starting them as yearlings two-year-olds three-year-olds all the crazy stuff that goes on in this bull bull industry that's kind of transpired maybe the last 10 years or so oh man it it, it is it's unbelievable how much it's changed when I first started, if you had a bull that kick and spin and stayed hooked up, you were gonna win. You were gonna win money. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, they gotta do something, you know, short of a backflip, <laughs> ninety-five <laughs> points. I mean, it's unbelievable how ranked these caps are. I mean, I'm telling you, it's and it is so competitive, and it's just like anything. It's a number. It's a numbers game. You know, back then when I first started, there weren't a whole lot, you know, doing it. But nowadays, you know, with people flushing, you know, doing IVF, I mean, you got contractors that have a couple hundred bull calves every single year. And if you go through 200 bull calves, you're going to probably have two or three buck and son of a guns. So it's just, it, it's, and there's so much money to be won now. It's so competitive and it's unreal. And one thing, like I see a lot of, a lot of guys that have never rode bulls, you know, or, you know, how our contracts do the ABBI competition. And they're always cussing bull riders saying, man, these no heart, no trying son of a guns. And I said, man, I'm not ever going to go that far because when I was rodeoing, I grew up in South Dakota on Jim Sutton's and Corco's book. I could count on one hand how many turned back through college or through high school, you know? And, you know, and then when I was rodeoing, I, I could probably count on one hand the legit one whole summer me rodeoing at pro rodeos. I could probably count on one hand the legit number of 22-point bulls I'd got on all, all year long. Nowadays, you count on your hand how many 22-point bulls you didn't get on. There's, right. they're, they're just so deeper and they're, the bulls are much better. So guys, you know, my age, I mean, I'm 45 guys, my age rodeo, dude, we ain't, we can't talk because it's, dude, you wrote a jump kicker back then, you know, nowadays <laughs> you're, you're getting a dang rewrite. So yeah. I mean, it, it's night and day, the, the quality, there's just so many good bulls. It's just, it's mind blowing. You know, I lots of respect to these bull riders. So, I mean, there's times when you question their effort. But these bulls buck. Yeah. Well, it's such a hard situation too, and I looked at it too as a bull rider. And having bulls, it's like the 
the, they buck so hard and, and the, all the different added aspects that come into it with say a contractor and the guy that you draw and he has a different style if he's a bigger guy even brazilian whatever he might be just a bit like me i'm sure those guys hated having me i know that for a fact big tall guy so even if he did buck me off or had his best day he still didn't look all that great because i'm such a big big long tall guy right and i'd weigh him down a lot more compared to a guy like chase outlaw right that that's on their back so the drawing aspect yep. into it the fees yeah, that yeah, go yeah. into it all that stuff right oh yeah no you're absolutely right i mean and i'm glad you brought up because at these abbi competitions you know with the derby and the classic bulls the best bull does doesn't win all the time it's the bull that shows the best it's a beauty contest mm -hmm. so if i got a bull that turns back renegade to left kicks and spins pretty good if i draw jrv you can bet your butt i'm not gonna win a dollar yeah if i draw chase outlaw <laughs> If I draw Jose, guys that make bulls look good, yeah, you got a chance to win. So you're right. It it's you know there's a lot of bulls out there that don't that bulls they just don't make bulls look. Adriano was one of them. Yeah. Bulls never look good with him. Yeah. Chris Shivers they look so much better. Yeah. You know, so it's you're right. It, it, it's it, it's a beauty contest. Which bull shows the best is not always the best bull, but that's you the bull that shows the best, that looks the best is the one that's going to win that day. So yeah. it 100 100 at all. And most of the time, it depends on, you know, the guy that you draw, especially at this level. That's, I think it's similar, like, to bull riding, where lots of, that's why it takes a lot of ex-bull riders to be in the bull game, because it's a pretty solid gamble when you're showing up, <laughs> hoping for the best, oh, yeah. and you're wanting that feeling, that, that winning feeling. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about hard labor, Chad. That's kind of the, the probably the most famous bull that I've seen that you've had due to the fact of your daughter and uh, going to the world finals. Uh, then obviously the injury that happened to him later on, but uh, fill us in on, on this bull and, and uh, the family aspect that you have within this bull game. Well, hard labor was honestly, he's probably been the biggest blessing to us as a family, as a whole. Uh, he got his name. My daughter, Addie actually named him. When he was born, we had to pull him because he's out of a first calf heifer and he was too big. And we pulled him because he was such a big calf. So the cow or the heifer, she had a hard labor. So named him hard labor. <laughs> nice. And you know, the, you know, you know how it is raising them. You know, you got rodeo cattle. If you have to pull a calf, they get spooky. They want nothing to do with it. I put him on a bottle for a couple of weeks. We bought a nurse cow, put him on a nurse cow. Addie spent hours and hours a day with, she fell in love with this little bull calf. She would go in the pen. They would play chase. They would take naps together. She would jump on his back when he was a calf. I mean, she did whatever she wanted with this calf and she loved it. And she made me promise to not that I would never sell this book. That was her. She, I, I can't sell it. And I made that promise, but I was a nervous wreck flanking him for, you know, bucking him the first time as a calf. Cause I, he's a bottle calf. He's dog gentle. That's he ain't going to buck. I can't sell him. We're going to break him to ride or do something. I don't know what we're going to do, but he ain't going to buck. And I'll be damned if we opened that shoot and he tried, he had so much intensity. He fell, we got up, he tried to buck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more we bucked him, the better he got. It was just amazing. I, I was, I'm still baffled by it. And, and then, and then that really, that, that bull brought, got, brought my daughter's passion to this industry. You know, she'd love to go out in there and check cows and she loved, you know, just to see the babies and watch them grow up, but she didn't really want to go on the road and travel and go to events and, you know, that bull, she said, hey, wherever hard labor goes, I get, I'm going to go. I'm going to flank him. And she flanked him at the yearling event. She flanked him at the junior fraternities, won money. She flanked him as a three-year-old, you know, and she flanked him sparingly as a four-year-old at non-PBR events because there's a rule that you have to be 18 to be behind the buck and shoots. 
So they let him let her a few times, but I guess the corporate lawyers or whatever, whoever, some of the PBR said, no, it's a liability issue. We begged and pleaded and uh, no luck. So um, she, uh, she actually, Sean Gleason let him flank him at the velocity finals. Okay. You know, when he's a three-year-old, when he was a three-year-old and that, you know, people are, after she flanked him, she bucked off a of Brazilian after, after she flanked him going to the stands, people were high-fiving her, wanting to take pictures with her. She was kind of a, you know, she didn't know what to think. She's like, dude, this is crazy. I just wanted to flank my dang bull. <laughs> and uh, so after the fact, uh, Cody Lambert got pretty pissed off about it because they went around him supposedly to uh, to allow Addie to flank him there. And so basically they said, oh, she can't flank him anymore at PBRs. You know, I tried. No, no luck. And uh, fast forward to hard labor's four-year-old year, which was last year, I get a phone call from Cody Lambert in January, and he calls me. I've never talked to him on the phone before. I've texted him before about trying to get bulls places, but I've never spoken to him. And he calls me and says that uh, I don't recall his name, but the person that runs the, the National Western has requested that I bring bulls to uh, to the PBR in Denver during the Denver during the, the National Western. And he says, we want uh, hard labor in particular. I said, well, that's my daughter's bull. And he said, yeah, oh, they want Addie to come too. I said, well, is she allowed to flank him? And he said, no. And I had a really good conversation with him about it. And he basically said, sorry, the people at Denver want Addie and hard labor to be up there. They want to do a feature story on her, but she has to watch from the stands. Yeah. And initially I said, no, I told him no. I was kind of frustrated, but then I hung up the phone and I was like, man, you don't tell Cody Lambert no. I said, this may be an opportunity for us to get more bulls you know, into other events. So I texted him back. I texted him, hey, you know what? I'll bring hard labor. I'll bring Eddie with me, but can I bring a few other bulls for you to look at, you know, to make it worth my time? And he said, yes, send me the list. And we went up there. I went out of my way to introduce Eddie to Cody Lambert. And uh, he kind of, he just talked to her for a little bit. And Eddie was nice and respectful. And she was told, she was 11 years old at the time. And uh, then we went to other events. You know, after that, we went to other events throughout the year. Or actually, backtrack. After uh, after uh, hard labor bucked, I went and after all all four of our bulls bucked, which they were all pretty good. I went and found Cody Lambert behind the bucking shoots, and I showed him, or he and he showed me the back of his you know PBR credentials, and it said specifically must be eighteen to be behind the bucking shoots or backstage. <laughs> and I said, look, I get it. I just want to thank you for letting us bring bulls. And I was like, it is what it is, and uh, we hauled him. You know, we got we hauled hard labor to other events throughout the year, and you know, there's a few events. Cody Lambert was there, and. Addie was always with me and he would get to know Addie and talk to her a little bit and, you know, just be nice to her. And I think, I think he was kind of warming up to Addie a little bit. So fast forward to the PBR finals, he selected him to bucket the PBR finals as a four-year-old, not in the class, but at the straight PBR finals. Okay. And, uh, the first weekend, the first weekend, I didn't even ask, I mean, I wasn't even an issue. I mean, I flanked him. I mean, guy rode him seven seconds, bucked him off. Cody told me he's going to bring him back the second weekend. And, and and this is this, this is this is where it gets gets crazy is while we were driving from our hotel to the to the arena, Addie asks me, she said, uh, said Daddy, do you think Harley will be bucking in the PBRs when he's ten? I said, I don't know. I just I said, I don't know, that's kinda old. I said, if we don't buck him, if we don't out over buck him, I think there's a good chance. She said, Well, because when he's ten, I'll be eighteen and I'll be able to flank him at the PBR. <laughs> I said, We're gonna have to baby him and just ease him along so we can last that long. And then she actually was looking at my, my, you know, my PBR world finals credentials. And then she was reading it back. She said, daddy, did you not see what this says? It says you must be 18 unless accompanied by an adult. 
She says, you can accompany me and I can be behind the buck and shoots. I said, I, it doesn't work that way. I said, but I said, they already said, no, you can't do it. So no. Anyway. Uh, and then I guess backtrack the, the first weekend, uh, the PBR caught, they knew about adding her labor story. So they actually went in the stands and interviewed Addie while he was bucking and after he was bucking and he got, and it got really good ratings on TV and P, a lot of really good positive comments on the PBR social media about how cool it was with that little girl and all that stuff. So they kind of had a pretty, you know, they knew the story and they knew the, the positive feedback of it. So I don't know if that had much to do with it, but I, you know, about an hour, 45 minutes, an hour before the, the, the second, the, the Saturday night, that, the second weekend of the PBR final started, I saw Cody Lambert standing in the corner by himself. I was like, you know what? I got nothing to lose. So I just walked up to him and I showed him the back of my, my PBR credentials. I said, look, it says you must be 18, but unless a company buy an adult, he looked at it. He said, well, I don't say that. I said, hey, I'm just showing you what mine says. And he looked at the back of his, the back, and the back of his did not say that. It said must be 18 to be backstage. And then Cody looked at me. He's like, he said, look, he said, I don't care if she flanks him. I said, are you sure? I said, because I'll go up in the stands and get her because she's dressed appropriately. She'll be able to flank him. And he said, let me call Sean Gleason and find out. So I waited. He Then uh, he got on the phone and he just gave me a thumbs up, told me to go get her out of the stands. And just when I went, I, it, still, it gives me goosebumps because when I went and found her in the stands and I told her, I said, look, Daddy, they said you can flank hard labor. Do you want to flank him? She jumped up and she was in a boot because she had, a, she had stress fractures in her foot. She was in a boot and I could, she jumped up so fast and just, she lit up. I was like, she's like, you dang right. Let's go. And so she was trying to climb over the fence to go down right. Cause they were right above the bucket. She was like, no, we got to go around. <laughs> so anyways, I was already down there. So they, uh, they took her down the elevators. We had to go get credentials and they actually rode the elevator down with Sean Gleason. So Addie, thank Addie. Thanks. Sean Gleason didn't, she didn't even know it was Sean in the elevator. So I, my wife, after, you know, my wife, Jenny, told Addie, hey, that was Sean Gleason. He's the one that said you can flank him. So she actually ran down and tracked him down right after he got out of the elevator and gave him a big old hug and then thanked him for the chance. So anyway, she got her credentials and, you know, he was in like the middle of the section. So she went, she got to go with me back to the contractor locker room, you know, where, the, where they had the, the, the catering there. And she was on cloud nine. She was loving it. Yeah. You know, and she she flanked him. She bucked off yeah. of, off off of Brazilian that forty four him, and then she was crying. Now, I don't know if you saw the video, but she was crying. I mean, she wasn't sad; just she was so happy and so thankful that she that's all she wanted to do. She wanted to flank her baby bottle calf. Yeah, so, so, and then cool. she was just it was it was a dream come true for her and, and for me because you know, as a dad, you know, you want to fuel your kid's passion, and her passion is bucking bulls. We didn't push it on her; she chose this you know, just through hard labor. So that's just a blessing in itself. And just to see how grateful and how excited she was just to, you know, be in that moment when they got her face zoomed in on the big screen, her little wave at the sold out crowd. It, yeah. It's just amazing. And then had that camera in her face and she just thanks, you know, Cody and Sean for the opportunity to flank him. And it, it, it was, it was, I don't think it's ever going to nothing. I don't think anything will ever top that moment. I mean, it was oh, just amazing. No. Yeah. So, and then uh, a, a month later at a month later, a month later, you know, ironically at the CBR bull team finals, <laughs> These have gone in well Tryon, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it. So the, the, the last year's uh, CBR bull team finals was in Tryon. It was during the, 
one of the PPR team's preseason games. And uh, we bucked hard labor the first day, and he drew Dakota Lewis. And Dakota actually got on him in Tulsa and bucked him off. And that's what got it. A good, that's what got Cody a good look at him, which helps get him selected to the PBR finals. And I want, you know, hey, it's full score plus ride time. We want him to get road. And uh, they put Dakota on him. You know, I think, hey, that's a good draw, you know, because he rode him six, six and a half seconds the first time. I was like, he's going to buck, so we'll be good. Well, he gets on him and uh, he rides him about six, but right about seven seconds. Hard labor almost stops and goes back the other way. And it's like almost like walking in a circle. Uh-huh. And I thought he hurt his back. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't know what happened. And then, like, you know, he went, went back up and I, it looked like he, he left the arena okay and then uh, put him on a trail. And I guess they had, they could barely get him. And he was in a pot. So they had to go up a ramp and they said they had help getting him on the trailer. And Addie, Addie was absolutely dead. She knew, she saw him limping and she knew, she knew he was hurt. So she found me, she found the vet. And that was when Riley gagged on his first events. And so she, he found him. It's like, oh gosh, this 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 family's freaking crazy. You know, they're all worried about a bull that's already on a trailer. Yeah. So, anyways, Addy was devastated about it. And then when when he unloaded, you know, back at bull housing, he could barely walk. And I was like, oh man, he just it was just a freak deal. He lit wrong and he completely shattered his hawk. You know, and uh, and that was in trying North Carolina. I mean, that was you know nineteen hours away. So we got we called. Uh, Oklahoma State, that's like one of the best vet vet schools. It's vet school, but they have the facilities and they do a lot of stuff with bucket bulls. So we called them and got an appointment. And, you know, that Monday we we met him met him there and uh, they did X ray and they confirmed it was a it was a shattered hawk and had a surgery scheduled scheduled later in the work later in the week and they didn't really know the extent of it until they were going to put him under and you know do some you know CT scans or whatever that they do and. Uh, I went and saw hard labor before they put him under. And then we just went driving around the town of Stillwater waiting. And they called us and they said, uh, it's a lot worse than we thought. It's completely shattered. Right. This is a surgery we've never done before. Right. We recommend that you guys put him down and collect your insurance check. And my daughter, we had her on speakerphone. Natty was in the back seat and she was bawling. And I said, look, I said, I don't care what it costs. We aren't, Put, I mean, he said putting him down is not an option. And we had him insured for, I mean, he was insured for, I think, $18,000. So we could have put him down and said, and got a, got a check for $18,000. No question asked, made money. And I can promise you the money. We put in a lot, a whole lot more than that, you know, since then. But anyways, they, uh, they proceeded with, they proceeded with the uh, surgery and with bovine. And I don't know that my mind's blown now, but I think they can only be under anesthesia for like three or four hours. And then they, after that, they just won't wake up just how the, how the, how bovine are worked. And uh, he was under anesthesia for almost eight hours. So they warned us, they said, look, the surgery is a success. We don't, he probably won't wake up. We just don't know. We've never had, we've never had a, a bull under anesthesia for that long. So there's a good chance that he won't wake up. Well, he woke up right away and he actually got up right away. And I mean, they were, they were shocked. They did not, they didn't think it w- that was going to happen. So anyways, the surgery was a success. They put two screws in there, screwed his hawk back together. And I was just waiting game. We knew he was never going to buck again, but as long as get him sound enough to get home and be able to breed, you know, do whatever. Yeah. Well, a few, a few weeks later, later, he was, wasn't acting right. They uh, did some x-rays and one of the screw, one of the screws broke. So that wasn't good. Anyways, there's no, nothing they could do. 
they basically let it heal on its own and he'll be stiff-legged his whole life but keep him alive so anyways he's back home now he's doing good he's three-legged still but he's starting to slowly put a little bit of weight on it because that bone's not completely fused back fused yet because basically his whole leg's gonna be completely fused together and that bottom leg's not completely fused yet so it's still a little bit sore and tender but Addy goes in there and rubs him, braids his tail, brushes him, got some jolly ball that he can hook around. So she spends a lot of time with him still. So, I mean, he's part of the family. So, oh, and uh, cool. I think we are, we earned a lot of, a lot of followers, you know, on our social media, just with our labor, with the fact is that we didn't put him down and collect her insurance check because, you know, that's not what we're about. You know, we, we got a lot of bulls that their dog, you know, their pets, but they still really, really buck. So, they actually become part of our family and especially hard labor. That's Addy's bull and we're, he ain't going nowhere. So he's just going to be a high dollar, high dollar pet. Yard, yard <laughs> yeah, so, well, that's cool. That story just in itself. And we always talk about it on here of, of the, the love and respect that the, the contractors have. And, you know, you know, it more than anybody, the misconceptions of, of how the bulls are treated within our lifestyle and anybody that, that thinks that they're treated any other way. Come and listen to what you just said in that in that speech that you just did. And you can see the passion and the love that you have and how much they are a family. And you look at even a dog or any other sort of animal, I'm sure wouldn't have got that that type of treatment, right? So you guys go above and beyond for these animals. This is how you make your living, but then they become family. And, and uh, that just shows right there that for people that don't know the sport as much for our listeners that aren't maybe in this sport of what these animals actually mean to guys like you and, and our contractors in this sport. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you take care of your bulls, they're going to take care of you. And a lot of people don't realize that. So, you know, if you, you know, you take care of them and show them that the, the compassion that they deserve, you know, they're going to give back to you. Cool, man. Well, this has been wicked. We went to, uh, we went to a lot of different stuff. I had a bunch more stuff for you that we, uh, well, we got some more questions for you within the the dirt on the on the contractor game. We had enough drama through the through the issue that you went through <laughs> at the velocity finals, so we didn't have to get into uh, any other dirt. But uh, Scott's got our infamous question for you for everybody on the pod. Well, Chad, it's been a pleasure talking with you today, and uh, you're the type of guy I can tell that challenges don't fizz on you you just hit them head on and that's pretty much what the mm -hmm. nfp podcast is about but what's your take on nfp man just let it all hang out <laughs> yeah, I like it. That's good. <laughs> so chad touch uh touch quickly on your your events because you do some event production so give yourself a little promo there you're doing events at your house you got bull competitions you have some sales right for um production sales for your animals for your cows and bulls and stuff like that yeah, we actually built a covered arena. We can house 100 bulls. You know, we have enough pens with, you know, to house 100 bulls. We have actually ABBI, you know, sanctioned competitions. And actually, our first event's May 31st. It's going to be a derby and a classic. So we have, you know, we'll have, you know, three or four bull ridings, this, you know, over the summer this year. And then we're going to have, you know, three or four fraternities. So, you know, just try to, you know, have some added money events, you know, with good paybacks so these contracts can actually make some real money doing them. Okay, buddy. Well, this has been really cool. We wish you the best of luck here uh, next weekend as well. We'll be tuned in to see how uh, see how your bull goes and then in the future too. And uh, we'll be following along to see if anything does change. I can't see anything changing in your favor <laughs> with, the, with the bull team side of things, but uh, we do appreciate you coming on here and telling the story. Hey, uh, and now uh, maybe everybody can kind of understand where you're coming from and get your side of things as well, which is kind of what we're all about. Well, I was going to say, I, man, I – 
I'd like to just give you the seventy-five thousand. Make <laughs> me feel so good, just to. But I mean, we'd yeah. have to convert it. You probably don't want it in Canadian dollars, so you know, we're just. Hey, I'll just keep hey seventy-five thousand Canadian dollars is more than what they gave me. I'll I'll be I can give you my address over the podcast. <laughs> okay, good. Keep your partners happy. Oh, uh, cool. Well, thanks, Chad, man. We appreciate you uh, thanks, taking buddy. the time to join us on the NFP podcast. Yep. Appreciate it. together. We'll play it all into your life, Sam. Play all into your love begins. We'll keep going till you get no more. Well, to spread those wings of yours and so to spread on. Spread on. Spread on. said to me, you're gonna go far, we'll keep on shining, like a shining star, just go on, just go on, just go on. Well, my father once told me, slow down son, you may not know it, but your life has Spread those wings of yours and show them spread.